fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts Christiana Ellis, Chute Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Welcome everyone to Season 5 of Specific Media Presents Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing the final episode of Season 5. Episode 10 of Game of Thrones titled Season Finale. No, titled Mother's <laughs> Mercy. With no spoilers past the currently aired episodes because we can't really anymore. Yeah. <laughs> As always, I'm Chooch and I'm joined by Christiana. Hello. Nookchus. Hello, everyone. And Viv. Hi, guys. Hey. So um, hey. I've got a mixed up format for how we're going to talk Ooh. about things mix it up for the final um this won't be our final episode in a couple of weeks we're going to record a wrap-up of the season we're going to do mm-hmm. some of us are going to do some rewatching and and uh prognosticating and all that speculating good and <laughs> i realized that uh spoiler episode we had been planning since 2011 we can actually do it chooch now Right. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we don't mention like five things, we're mm-hmm. good. We can do that whole spoiler thing, and we can do my uh, my what if game during the hiatus too. That sounds yeah. fun. Can you mention LS? Uh, LS? No, no, I don't think we can mention LS. Oh, Those right. are initials that you said like in season two, and it's always stuck <laughs> in my head. What the fuck it means? Well, but LS kind of stands for two people, too, though. It could stand for two different people. Yeah. yeah. Um, What about R plus L equals J? Like, does that stick in your head, too? And I I know what that is. Okay. Careful. I think that one could be guessed. Yeah. Um, That's. That's been speculation since Jump Street. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. the other uh, the other thing I was going to say is Jump that Street. you're in a position now where the unspoiled could mean not just people who haven't read the books, but like, for example, there are a few preview chapters for The Winds of Winter yep. circulating out there that I have not read. Yeah. And so, theoretically, those could be spoiled for me, which is an unusual position to be in. Of course, I yeah. could go read them and then fix that problem, but... <laughs> yeah. I want, a, I want a final version of it. I want the last... Do you, know. you want to talk about the uh, concept of spoiler chapters? Because I know that's a pretty big thing. Uh, this week, my my baby sister, she she sent me a message on Facebook. And she's like, we have to talk Game of Thrones because anyone I talk to can't remember the book or hasn't read the book. We need to talk. <laughs> and it mentioned something about spoiler chapters. And she's like, spoiler chapter? Where are there spoiler chapters? What does it say? And I was like, well, you go directly to his website and you can read preview chapters for the next book. I never do that because my memory is so good that yeah. if I read a spoiler chapter, when I get to it in the book, it disrupts my reading process because I go from new content to I already know exactly what's going to happen and I know how he words it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas she said, well, I she's she's reread the book so many times because she keeps forgetting stuff. She's like, that, that won't happen to me. I can go read a spoiler chapter and <laughs> it won't mess up my reading. Like I'll remember, you know, a big plot arc but I'm not going to remember enough that it's going to be a problem. So some people can read them, some people can't. I can't read them, and I don't want to. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, kind of, that's where I'm at, too. It's not so much that I feel like it would ruin anything as much as just for me, I feel like I don't want to whet my appetite when I don't know how long it'll be. 
Amen. Um, Amen. It's kind of like saying, okay, you're at this nice restaurant and you're really excited for dinner and we're going to bring you out one bite of what you're going to get later and then the rest of the meal will appear at an unspecified time in the next five hours. I would feel like at that point I'm like, well, maybe I don't really need the bite now. Like, I'll just yeah. wait. <laughs> it yeah. makes it more tantalizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, I bef- when he had... Uh, initially had the first release date for Dance with Dragons, well, one of the first um, book five release dates. I read from book one all the way through book four again, waiting for that book release that then got delayed by, like, more than a year when then I never read it. Mm. Anyways, so the show. (laughs) We have uh, Sheriff Bullock checking in in the Q&A. So where has Sir Pounce been all season? Huh? Huh? I demand answers. I agree. Where has he been? My headcanon is that he's holed up in uh, Tommen's uh, bedroom with him. When, you know, he's hiding out in there being all sad. Sir Pounce is in there comforting. (laughs) I thought we would uh, jump to Marine of all places. Which is really where the last episode left off right yeah yeah so we if have, i may um, for the people in the q a that's a flip 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 through my notes to get to marine oh. <laughs> that's how many notes i have <laughs> so much flipping tonight i'm telling you yeah. so we have a uh, Tyrion, dario and jorah having a chat and uh we have uh, jorah giving one of nutty's favorite lines Fine, fine. I suppose he can join us, just as long as he promises not to kill me in my sleep. If I ever kill you, your eyes will be wide open. Right. Right. I still just love that Tyrion is not impressed. Like, we talked about this in the reaction show, but I just love that Tyrion's reaction is just like, fine. Like, jeez. Like, I... As long as this guy promises not to kill me in my sleep, you won't yeah. be sleeping. Okay, can you promise like, not to kill me? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you get what I was really trying to say, don't you? I mean, <laughs> yeah. See, Grey Worm's recovering, and so now we have this small council ready to divvy up some yeah. tasks. I I liked the opening shot of Jorah, Dor- Dario, and uh, Tyrion just kind of sitting on the stoop with, you know, their their bottom lips stuck out. Mm-hmm. I in my in my head they'd been sitting there like that for hours. <laughs> right, <laughs> days even, days. Just like. <laughs> Did you check with the guards? I didn't check with the guards. I'll go check with the guards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mr. Nerys. <laughs> I'm wondering what they're going to do. Well, clearly they're not going to do anything with the other dragons. I was wondering. Maybe they can, maybe they'll sniff her out. Let's let one go and chase it, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they oh, man. Yeah. Probably dangerous to go in there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I. Here there be I, dragons. I would think that, like, like the only thing you could do with them is is if you felt like the time came to 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 make that decision you you might try to kill them but uh short of that like i feel like there's no other alternative you just have to keep them locked up mm-hmm. yeah and and may, you keep feeding them for now but like that's the right now obviously they're kind of they're planning for Daenerys to come back at some point but 
if, depending on how long she's gone, they might need to start thinking about what's plan B. Yeah. Well, hopefully they kept some Sons of the Harpy around, kind of like you do crickets <laughs> for a frog, because you know it's going to get hungry later. <laughs> Just throw them a couple Sons of the Harpy. <laughs> wonder if the dragons are okay sons? with the uh, already dead. Yeah. Sons of the Harpy. Are they scavengers, or do they need it to be live or fresh? Yeah. Are they indeed like actual toads and frogs where you have to keep them alive? So mm -hmm. when they were babies, she chunked out steak and yeah. they cooked it's it true. up. And... <laughs> yeah. that was, that was, somebody gave me a frog once for my birthday, and that was the thing that I just could not do. I could not feed an animal live things, and I had to take it back, and I took it to a pet store, and they're like, we can't give you any money for this. I'm like, I don't care. I want it to be taken care of, but I am not feeding this crickets that have had their wings clipped. Like, that is just horrible and so anti-Buddhist. Oh. I'm not letting it free in the wild because then it's just going to die. I had a garter snake when I was in high school, and I would feed it live goldfish, but I didn't have to, like, put them in its mouth. It was more that I, I would put them in its water bowl, and it would catch them. Oh, wow. <laughs> was, that was pretty cool. Still, I'm not sure I could, like, constantly go and buy goldfish to feed it. So one of the reasons that kept me away from getting bigger fish is I didn't want to have to buy actual live fish to feed the fish. It's Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. We have uh, Sheriff Bullock saying he really digs TV Dario now. I'd love for mm. them to reshoot Dario yeah. season three scenes with Michael Huseman and re-release those Blu-rays. I'd repurchase them. <laughs> yeah. Give the old he to Mr. Too Good for Game of Thrones, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that guy ever reconsidered. Because I feel like, like the show was popular, obviously, before that, but I feel like you know, finishing out season three was when it was really starting to get huge, right? Yeah. Am I wrong, or is that... No, I think you're oh, right. No, you're right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I wonder. But, it, yeah, it, it is one of those unfortunate elements where you sort of feel like, well, going back and rewatching, you kind of wish that there wasn't that inconsistency because they've been so lucky with so many other characters. Mm. Um you know, I think the mountain is the only other character where they had to have a uh, an awkward recasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And now it doesn't even matter who's under that damn helmet after all that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you saying? Are I'm you saying, saying you think that's the mountain? Franken Mountain. <laughs> that could just be a big prosthetic head they could have, you know, on someone else. Oh, it could be that dwarf's head. Kyber wanted it. <laughs> I did think about that, by the way. I, I, I seriously thought about that because that's not in the books, Him, I don't think, him asking for the dwarf head. And now I'm like, what if there's, like, extra parts on this guy? It's <laughs> a master what, like the second head on top of the first head? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, like a Zaphod head, you know, like, off to the side? <laughs> I like the blaster master idea. That will be or a quarto style. Yeah. Mm. You know what they say. Two heads are better than one. Oh. So yeah, I like how Tyrion lays say out that. some high Valerian. Yes. My Valerian is slightly nostril. <laughs> that was so great. Yes. Um, I like, though, that, first of all, like Tyrion by far gets the best of our, our episode cliffhangers, right? Like, mm. by, a, by a wide yeah. margin, because it's... 
like it's a tough situation to be in to like manage this crazy city, but it's like it's exactly the sort of thing he likes to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for all he might be complaining about it a little bit, I love that Varys is kind of just like, gee, I wonder who might have experience doing something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> And it was great to see Varys return because it kind of gave Tyrion somebody to bounce off of because Masinde oh. and Grey Worm and I keep wanting to call him Cal because of Orphan <laughs> Black. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dario. God. Um, but yeah, I think they're just kind of lost and boring without him and Varys always brings so much not just intrigue, but he's very... Um, charismatic and he's compelling I think to watch. Yeah. Well such great chemistry with um, Tyrion. Absolutely. And, all, and he has pre-established in the show his magical little birds that can just tell him whatever the show wants him to know so yes. mm -hmm. that's handy from a plot perspective. Yeah. <laughs> they sing in the east, they sing in the west. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I think just even reminding us that Tyrion would speak even a little bit of Nostril Valyrian. Um, I, I feel like the show does a good job of sort of just pointing out to us, like, you know, Tyrion might be able to do this. Yeah, he might like, be all right this time. It's almost as if having, like, the figurehead credibility of Daenerys and her ideals with Tyrion actually working the levers Yeah, seems like an excellent combination. Agreed. Yeah. As long as they can convince everybody that Daenerys, yes, she's alive, she will be back. Mm -hmm. Right. Any minute now. <laughs> oh, you just missed her, actually. You know, right. she was here and then gone, like, <laughs> sorry about that. You know, and she really wanted to meet with you. Dragons. dragons. <laughs> yeah, <they're> just... <laughs> Riding on dragon time. I did like the mommy dragon time Drogon mm -hmm. back together. Yeah. Yeah. I love the whole animation of the dragons and I rewatched the last scene from um last episode, uh, showing tech because I've I've told him all the bits that I thought he would enjoy because he's not watching the show anymore, right? Mm -hmm. We've discussed this. Uh ever since Theon Torture, he's out. So mm -hmm. I tell him all the good bits, I show him a couple of screenshots, but that was a whole scene that I said, you have to watch this, you are going to really enjoy this. And he did, he absolutely loved it. And I was talking to him about the animation and I said, this animation for the dragon is amazing. It goes, it's all bat movements. The way that he uses his, mm -hmm. his wings like arms, it's just like bats. And I was like, that is perfect. Yeah. So they really did like extra homework yeah. to get it to get the dragons very believable <laughs> and realistic. So, Chooch, what did you think on your rewatch? Did you think that Drogon was sulking, or do you think Drogon was tired? Because hmm. we talked about it on the reaction show, and you came at it from, like, he's tired, he's yeah. hurt, he needs to rest, and you know, I came at it like, I've seen that look on my kids' faces. That's sulking. I think he's <laughs> That's such I don't want to share. He's just such a good actor that he can pull off all of those things at once. <laughs> the dragon. <laughs> so he's sulking. No, mom. I don't want to go. I just got you back. And he's yeah. also, God, I'm fucking tired. And he's like, <laughs> and I can't talk to you, but you've been, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> and he just wraps it all up. He encapsulates it. In one big. <laughs> I do got like it. how he, you know, 
slumps on his arm. Mm-hmm. Well, even exactly what, what our dog does. Yeah, it's it was just making me think of how like when Luna wants to go out for a walk or something, like she doesn't care that I'm in the middle of a podcast or yep. oh hey Luna, I'm almost at the end of this chapter or hey it's almost a commercial break. She's like she's just like yeah I don't I don't care about that. <laughs> Or like she brings me the squeaky toy. She doesn't care that we're recording a podcast. Yeah. No, so I think that's it's kind of that's where it is for for Drogon is there is that element of like when you're there you don't spend any time with us. That's mm-hmm. no fun. I here I get you all to myself, and I don't care about all that other stuff. So let's just let's just do this. Yeah. So I think wow. that's the. Uh, uh, that's that's the vibe I got from Drogon. Yeah. Scene. Plus, it is true. We can see that he's hurt and probably does need to heal mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw his wounds better on the second watch. Um, there's, there's a shot where he's licking it. Yeah. Well, there's that one, and then there's one where she had first pulled the the, the spear or whatever it was out, and it was still mm-hmm. looking pretty nasty. But I still say that that's the same face Kaylee makes when she's not getting her way. <laughs> and it's looking and wants to convince him, Chooch, the minion, that she needs what she wants. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So then Danny uh, hears some sound, goes on walkabout. Yeah. And here, I see a writer, and I'm like, that's awfully Dothraki looking. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, we got a horde situation here. <laughs> And they learned how to do math. I know. A a true horde. That's what we've been for all these these years. They've gotten really good at being able to present numbers when they do aerial shots. And they've gotten really good at doing crowds. Again, rewatching last week's episode, I mean, it was seamless between the aerial shots and the actual film shots. So they're they're definitely getting this math down. Yeah. Well, the budget's so much bigger, too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And they've been doing it longer that they've built up a, a repertoire of skills. They've got, like, a whole toolbox. Oh, we need to do a bunch of Dothraki coming up. Well, let's just do the same mm-hmm. thing we did at Winterfell. Okay. Yeah. Change mm-hmm. it around a little. Copy oh, They probably Copy. literally, yeah, have the Dothraki from previous seasons. <laughs> they can just yeah. pause it in. I thought that it was really... It was still an interesting thing to see that regardless of what Drogon's intentions were, that Danny still had no idea, is completely out of her depth in trying to control them. And that's the part that's going to be the linchpin for her taking Westeros back. Yeah. For the well, territory. And, because and right now she can't even get home because her goddamn dra- dragon won't take her home. And so how is that going to... Even if even if it is even if we take it at the best possible intention of Drogon, which is that in some way he has some instinctive knowledge that she is like Chooch said, like I like at least one of you guys said on Sunday night, that she's going the wrong way and that he's trying to get her back in the right direction. And I think it even makes sense that Drogon would go for Dothraki, because that's where he was born, that's how he was hatched. But it's still it's yeah. it's still, is his namesake. Well, exactly, but but exactly, precisely so. And uh, it's just it's still shocking how little control she has over the dragons at this size when she was hand feeding them at the beginning. And and maybe that's what the problem is is that she didn't let them. I don't know what it is. I don't know dragon psychology, but 
Um, did, now, I have a question for you guys, and maybe Chuchi, we're going to ask this, but uh, we talked to our son after he watched the episode last night, and we were talking about the ring that Danny drops when she, the, when the horde comes upon her, and she's standing there, and she slips a ring off, she drops it on the ground, and my speculation was that it was because we just heard from Dario what a great, you know, do you know how to track animals through the forest? Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? And getting Tyrion to stay in Marine, we know that Dario is a tracker. And so I just made that assumption. It was like, oh, she's so smart. She left it. He'll find it. He'll be able to follow the horde. God knows they'll leave hoof prints. <laughs> and that he'll be able to track her. Did you guys get any other reads on that? Like, did it, like, could you, I couldn't think of any significance that the ring had itself that could cause her problems with the Dothraki, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, it was total um, Hansel and Gretel stuff, you know, and yeah. uh, yeah. if you the, noted, she's got a lot of jewelry on. Yeah. A lot more than normal. Yeah. Well, she Love that. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it made me think of the, uh, the leaf pin in um, Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It made me curious if they've taken the hot skies and It made me curious if there was a bigger significance, um, but I figured also that it was just breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, and I have to wonder these Dothraki if are they going to be friend or foe? You know, are they going to know her, right. remember her? Um, I've well, heard cause... that this is possibly already in the books of what their intentions are, but. And I, we have to be careful because I think it's clear that we're going to be seeing more of them yeah. next season. Yeah. So we need to tread carefully on what little spoilers may remain. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as I know, I I don't remember learning what the Dothraki's intentions are. But it, it's like I know that my first reaction on seeing them is like, oh, the Dothraki, I like those guys. But then I have to remember it's like, wait a minute. Remember yeah. back in going to Karth and the whole reason they had to almost die of starvation and thirst in the desert was because they had to get away mm-hmm. from all of the other Dothraki now that Drogo was dead. Yep. But on the flip side of that, the whole idea of the Dothraki hierarchy is based on strength. And it was one thing to say, yes, you're a, uh, a widow with three tiny baby dragons. Not that much of a threat. Giant, badass, awesome dragon? <laughs> Maybe tilts the scale back in the other direction a little bit. Yeah, especially with the carcasses of a bunch of probably really healthy horses sitting there. They're seeing it as an actual threat to their livestock and also a weapon for their armory, I'm sure. Well, see, I was almost taking it the other way, not that they would see her as more of a threat, although that's certainly possible also. I was thinking of it almost more like they would respect her and be more interested in working no, I with was, her. I was saying as an asset, that they oh, okay. would see her as more of an asset. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about the Dothraki in the books. Like, I forgot that was even part of Daenerys' thing. Like, I remember the journey and all this other stuff. And so when I saw them in the show, I was like, whoa, this is new. This is interesting. And then... Then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. No, wait, there were Dothraki in the book. And I, I looked that up and... uh this was much more impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although in the books, she's kind of waiting for them. Like she see, she's flying Drogon and she sees a scout and she sees what happens. And then she comes upon 
like this herd of their horses and Drogon has a snack and he fires her up some food after she hasn't eaten in a long time. And then they're just sitting there waiting for the Dothraki when they arrive, which is really <laughs> cool. In this one, I'm like, are they going to kill her? Are they going to send her to the grasslands? Are, what, what's the deal? Why are they just circling her? What's going on? Yeah. I, I think at this point, they, the, certainly the people uh, who have come up upon her first have to know it's like, okay, this is too weird for me to make a snap decision. Let's wait for the call to come check this out. But yeah. let's also make sure she doesn't go anywhere in the meantime. Mm-hmm. That was my first thought. Uh, my, well, that was actually my second thought because my first thought was really, how long are you going to just keep riding around in a circle like that? Like, is that necessary? You could just, you know, stop. For CGI, it's it was. Less intimi- it's less intimidating to, uh, to, to just be stationary, and then you have to, like, make eye contact or something. <laughs> Keep them guessing. It's like, oh, shit, we made eye contact. I guess we have to talk to her now. Well, it's, way, it's certainly more chaotic and it's easier for them to keep control of the situation yeah. with the flurry. It's, it's just kind of a it's kind of a movie horse cliche now oh, cool. that, yeah. that ride circles around and it's disorienting. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! What do I do? <laughs> and yeah, I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just amused by the observation. Amused by my own observation. <laughs> well, let's hope so. All right. <laughs> You're any not other, any other marine. Talk. Mm-mm. No, I thought we would hop over to Dorn in our tour of Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I did have one more note. Yeah. I was about Drogon, uh, and I just wanted to say that that is me in the morning. Yep. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> that's that's totally me. You want to know what I'm like in the morning? Just watch that scene with Drogon. <laughs> Go ahead. And Dorne, we have a happy farewell. They send everybody to King's Landing. Everybody apparently <laughs> making nice, nice. Um, Alaria giving a kiss, which was an immediate red flag. I wish you all the happiness in the world. Oh, actually, she goes. She says, "Forgive me, child. I wish you every happiness in the world." And then she kisses her. So it's like, sorry, I'm about to kill you. Ah, you're dead. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, exactly. Yeah. What a hooker, I swear. Well, you know, honestly, I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but Ilaria switched over to bad guy for me. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. like, because... And, and I'm a little disappointed because, you know, we talked about this last time and a little bit at the reaction show, too, but the whole plot in Dorne in the books is way more complex and sophisticated and got some higher-minded goals involved right. as opposed to my, you know, Paramour got himself killed in a totally fair fight and now I must have revenge, so let's kill an innocent little girl. Yeah. Um, that just, like, that doesn't sit right for me. It makes me, it feel, because it's, it's like, it's not only like evil, but it's kind of petty too, and that's a little disappointing for me. Yeah. And I think and, it's even if you were to compare it to what um, what Cersei did, which was really fucking evil, when um, after Rob was it was after Robert died, and she had all of his illegitimate children 
slaughtered. Remember the baby in the brothel and all those horrible things? Is It's almost as if this is even worse than that because we have an investment in Marcella and all that stuff. And so the fact that she goes... Is my sound off or anything? No. No, I was I was just thinking. Uh, I, I just wasn't... thought Chooch bouncing around. I couldn't oh, tell no. if there was something wrong with the audio. That's not you. No. I I was just uh, thinking because I was I couldn't remember if we had ever definitively identified that it was Cersei rather than Joffrey, because I I thought that it was left kind of ambiguous as to which of them might have been actually given that order. I I oh I attribute it to Cersei in my mind whether she literally knew that the actions were taking place or not because I think she considered doing it herself even if she didn't do it herself. So I think it, it was like almost six of one, half dozen of the other as to which one of them did it. What do you think, Chooch? <sighs> the baby brothel? Do you think that was Cersei or Joffrey? I would think Cersei. Hmm. She has the more obvious motive for it. Yeah. Um, Joffrey's was more just like he didn't like the idea that his father was sleeping around. Um, but uh, And so he certainly seems like he would be up to it if he was sufficiently motivated. But would he be sufficiently motivated mm. for this specific action? Maybe not. So I don't disbelieve that it might be Cersei. I just wasn't sure if it, that was ever confirmed. I'm not sure. I don't remember, to be honest with you. If if what was ever Cersei? The killing of the babies at the brothel. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Robert Sorry, died. I got I missed one piece of the conversation, and I'm like, I'm sure I'll figure it out at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it felt like Cersei, but then we found out other stuff, and we're like, hmm, like maybe it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. There was so, definitely a conversation where Cersei let. Tyrion think that it was Joffrey, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that was the truth. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, I just, I have a big problem with the whole Alaria thing because she says it's out of vengeance for Oberyn, but this is exactly the opposite of what Oberyn would want. Like, Oberyn's all about vengeance, but it's not... He didn't want... Sneaky vengeance. He wanted, uh, uh, he wanted to out the Lannisters for what they had done, and right. this goes against every. You know, as he said, we don't hurt little girls. Yeah. You know, this is, we don't murder children. This is not what Dorne does. That even though he was all into poisoning and all this other stuff, it's just it, it's against the Dornish code. And that's what really bothers me about this. And I understand she's angry and everything, but really, I don't know. It just You're right. It, she went against his own code. And and she's putting Tristan at huge risk. Like she doesn't care. And sure. yes, I know that's not her blood, but Oberyn would care. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I yeah, that's what I said on Sunday. I think this is a total suicide move, unless. Yeah. Duran's in on it, which I don't think he would be, but well, it's going to be some time that passes before he even has to, before he even finds out about it, presumably. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it, it's a valid question of what, when this happens to Marcella, what if Jamie just turns the ship right around and comes right back and just says, what have you done? Of course, that's not necessarily a tactically sound solution no. because, uh, like what are they going to do? They have no, they have, they have no, no soldiers. Arms. 
yeah. they were just able to leave on Doran's good graces, and so going back with accusations of murder uh, without any soldiers behind them might be a bad idea. But uh, um, at the same time, um, what Ilaria might be thinking is uh, it's is kind of the Doctor Strange love gambit. Um, and what I mean by that, if anyone either hasn't seen that movie or hasn't seen it in a while, is the the plot in Doctor Strangelove is that we've got the height of the Cold War with you know warheads on both sides pointed at each other, and one general basically figures out, you know what, if I just order my guys to launch their missiles, nobody can stop me before the missiles hit. And then that will cause the Russians to retaliate against us and wipe us out. So my guys will only take out one of their cities, and the enemy then will completely annihilate us unless, now that I've told our guys that I'm doing this, it kind of forces their hand. So it's like, either join me in annihilating them first, or else they're going to wipe us out when they reply. So it might be the sort of thing where... Now that this has happened, there would be no way to avoid war, so Duran better either just get on board because there's no way that he would be able to say, oh, yeah, it was all Ilaria, I had her executed, now we're fine. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that could ever work. And so... Uh, you know, I think the only thing that could stop war now, right now, is just that they don't have, they don't really have the resources to be fighting a war with Dorn right now. That's like, that's so, literally the only thing that could stop yeah. it. So my baby sister had a uh, a question for me, and I thought it was very interesting because I never even thought about this. She goes, "So do you think Tristan has the antidote?" And I was like, you know. He's not Oberyn's son, but maybe Uncle Oberyn told him, you know what, this might be a good idea. Maybe we've got that in the in the background there. Who mm -hmm. knows? It's possible. I think it's unlikely. I I, I think it's, it's interesting, unlikely, but it's something it's I hadn't unlikely thought about. John standing up again, right? Well, well which is more, I mean, come on. There's a couple of things like that in this episode, but We're I, I make those reaches. We got to make for the reach that Tristane has the antidote. I feel like of the three big deaths, deaths question mark, in this episode, I feel like Marcella is the one that is most for sure actually dead, in my opinion. Mm. Or you know, permanently dead, like as in not on the show anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Which is sad because I thought she was going to get like this really great storyline. Yeah. I was excited. Well, and and just... then. Which it feels like they do that a lot on this show lately. And I don't know if it's because they've changed a lot of their writing crew and they've changed some directors and so forth. But it feels like they they were working towards certain storylines and then just kind of cut them off. Um but uh, I I did want to mention how very Poison Ivy Ilaria was mm -hmm. with the, the special lipstick and all that jazz. And that's mm -hmm. how she got the poison to her. That was, I, I was just thinking of Poison Ivy. And um, I, I, the other two things that I've got written down that I just love is, uh, I love when Jamie says, have you known your 
mother to like anyone but her children? <laughs> well, anyone <laughs> but her children. And then I had this dawning of Jamie gets a pure moment of happiness and everything goes to pot. Mm-hmm. And that was all, you know, Buffy got, uh, or rather Angel got to sleep with Buffy, pure moment of happiness, and his life is over. And uh, and then I said that Dornish bitch. I was very angry. <laughs> Um, the, uh, my thought, um, was not Poison Ivy, although that's an excellent reference, too. Um, my thought was actually, um, actually the poison was on both lips. I spent the last five <laughs> years building up an immunity to Iocane powder or, or the Tears of Lease or whatever the poison was. I don't remember. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because it is that, that whole idea of, like, uh, you know, they, they can, uh, be cavalier with getting the poison on themselves, thus making it easier to poison someone else when they have the antidote. Right. Yeah. I'm really hoping that we get more of Dorn next year and that we find out that there is more to this and that Duran has more. Because how do you cast Alexander Siddig and not do something with him other than just have him sit there and not be able to handle anything, you know? I yeah. told you not to do that. She does it anyway. I'm telling you not to do that. She does it anyway. Yeah. My uh, my only. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Juice. No, he just mediates little things yeah. and makes nice, and that's all he's really done. The only reason I have to suspect that it might be still all he gets is think about Mance Raider. They they cast <sighs> a pretty awesome actor for Mance Raider, and then we got to see him in like six scenes in the whole <laughs> series. They were impactful. They were impactful. Well, I know, though. but I yeah, I just mean though that they wouldn't hesitate to cast a significant actor in a small part. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe we would jump to the the big event, Castle Black. Ooh. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, uh, For the watch. Right. Or I guess we're not quite there. We do the not first. Not quite stuff. there. Yeah. So. Um, John's recalling to Sam uh, what they saw and and the raising of the dead and Mm -hmm. how impossible the situation really is. So here's my big question, and I asked the same question in the reaction show, but I hope that now that people have had a chance to rewatch, they have an answer. What the fuck is with that big cut on John's face? When did that happen? Where did he get that? This giant awful scar. Yeah, I didn't go back. To the one before it to check, but yeah, that is not subtle. Yeah, it's uh, let me. Yeah, it. So it's this huge, awful, ugly scar running down half of his face. It's like bright red, and there's a couple of shots where you could mistake it for a curl of his hair com- coming down over his face. But there's a couple of those shots, especially when he's talking with Sam. It's this huge, ugly red scar going down his face, and it is not the scar from before when he got clawed by the eagle. It's new. It's fresh looking, and I'm thinking, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> did it happen at Hard Home, though, and it just hasn't healed? It did not, because the shot of him facing down the Night's King at the end, I went and looked at the image, and he does not have it then. And I don't think anybody cut his face when he was coming back to Castle Black that I can remember. I say, it must have been a tough boat trip. Yeah. <laughs> tough journey. Makeup department, you're slacking. Continuity. Like, this is like Dude, proactive. They had to. They had to put it on him. Well, maybe they may have had a scene. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so like um, uh, here I'm I I'm gonna put on screen sharing just for a moment. If you if you look look at his face, do you see this? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good good soap opera scar right there. I yeah. don't know where it came from. I'm sorry, I don't. Know. <laughs> that's all right. It's fine. I just I'm I don't think there's an answer because I think that literally the answer is it came from nowhere and they put it on and it's probably from a, a scene that they edited out somehow. Yeah. And and it just makes no sense. Interesting. Maybe it'll come out somewhere in the DVD specials, <laughs> special features. Yeah. Oh, I just realized we had a, a, a line from Sheriff Bullock about uh, Dorn. Oh, yeah. He had the same red flag about the kiss. Mm -hmm. The newer lips were poison lips. But I hold out hope that the sultry sand snake gave Braun some antidote, and he has that antidote on the boat. Oh, well, mm -hmm. I thought Dorn was this season was a huge disappointment. You know, that's more likely to me, I think, than um, Tristan having it mm -hmm. because because um, they've done the legwork for that. Well, yeah. I also feel like why would Tristan ha like he doesn't? Why would they? Why would he want to risk her dying just so that he can give the antidote? Well, I don't think he would. He would know about the plot. I think um, if he has it, it's just, well, yeah, we're from Dorne. We all kind of carry this thing because we know that the sand snakes use this poison. It's very common here. You start bleeding from the nose, you know, drink the blue liquid, you know. Um, <laughs> Get a little party You know, back. because the girl, she, she wore it in her <laughs> necklace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sam wants to book it to Old Town and become a meister. And uh, yes. lays out his case, makes some good arguments. And, I can't, uh, I can't fault him. I mean, they, they do need. I mean, and I was actually going to ask. There hasn't been a a, a maester put in at Winterfell yet again, has there? Since Maester Lewin died in season three. Certainly haven't. Shown um, Ramsey and Company. I mean, Bolt, Roost and Company, they don't, they haven't shown any maesters there, so there's well, definitely a shortage in the north. Oh, what? yeah, yeah, in the north, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, I wouldn't be a bit surprised, though, if um, Bruce Bolton just doesn't feel the need for one. Mm. Although I, they do have someone presumably doing their ravens for them and stuff. He's big yeah. on pomp and circumstance and, and the titles and all of that shit, so I would be surprised. If he doesn't have one somewhere, I just don't think that they've made him important yet. Mm -hmm. So it comes out that uh, Sam and Gilly have done the deed. <laughs> oh, it's so cute how it happens. He's like, you know, they're going to make you swear off girls there, too. And he's like, they can try and make me. Right. Oh, tell me, Sam. Oh, the gentleman <laughs> never tells, but... I was motivated. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love John's questioning and his reaction. Just been beaten half to death. How did you? Very carefully. I'm glad the end of the world's working out well for someone. <sighs> Zing. I pushed those up a little closer together so we don't have to wait for it. The pauses. <laughs> yes, yes. Very nice. Yeah, so then they say their goodbyes and... Doesn't usually end well for people who leave John. Yeah. That's what my thought at the moment was Well, of course in this in this case it wasn't it wasn't them necessarily yeah. that are having the problem. Although we also have to consider where they're they're going. You know what I mean? 
they're, like Winterfell is their like the first stop on the King's Road from where they're going. So unless I, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly what their plan is, like what their planned route from here is, because on the one hand they could just travel along the wall to Eastwatch by the Sea and go by boat somewhere, but that's the long way around. But of course you take the King's Road south and you're going right through Bolton territory. Yeah, that seems like a bad idea too. Well, but yeah, and he's he's the one that's been reading the Ravens coming in with progress reports on what's going on in the realm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully they'll avoid uh, Winterfell. Winter hell, yeah. as Popeye <laughs> used to call him. The the only hesitation I had with Sam's plan, I mean, on on the one hand, I have no objections at all because I totally want Sam to become a maester. But um, on just a practicality suggestion, which is of course what he's trying to sell John on in the first place, is it's this question of long-term thinking and like what are the timelines because it, it's going to take years to become an, a maester and be able to actually come back and do anything yeah. for the Night's Watch. So like do they have that much time? But the other, the flip side of that I thought was he talks about the library and he's figuring like even if I'm not a maester yet I can research and if I find useful information I can raven it back up to you. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think on a certain level that we all know that Gilly can't live there with little Sam. Yeah. And we know that, you know, they need to be together for us to for us as viewers to be happy and readers. <laughs> but well, um yeah. it's just gonna be an interesting road ahead for them with you know, and it's just like one of those phew got out of there literally in a nick of time because if <laughs> if John and Gilly had been there when when they killed John, it would have been a totally different Yeah. Yeah. A little experience for the two of them, the three of them. Yeah. I um Ed during all of that? Probably, you know, I asked the same question, and I'm thinking somebody probably locked him up in a room or tied him up somewhere because Ed would have never stood for that, and he was not. I, I scanned his, this. I know you guys did too, where the fuck was Ed? <laughs> yeah. And Ghost, because Ghost came and yeah, rescued Sam. But it's just as well that Ghost didn't go to John because they would have killed Ghost the same way that they killed Grey Wind after a different group killed Grey Wind after killing Rob. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like Ghost doesn't necessarily have to um, like have to have been locked up because we have to remember like all this happened very quickly. You know, we're we're talking like from John's first awareness that there was anything wrong to lying bleeding out on the snow is is a space of like a minute. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And but, so, like, Ghost could be booking it right back to where John is, and it's just not fast enough. Like, right. you know, he might show up just. I, that's what I'm just saying is that I feel like Ghost wouldn't have to have been locked up. He might have just been off hunting or something. And likewise, mm-hmm. Ed, I, you know, I definitely agree that there's no way he would have been behind this. And I think that he's probably loyal enough that they wouldn't have even tried asking him. I don't know that they necessarily would have gone straight to locking him up, but they may have given him a like a task to go carry out somewhere where he would be away um, when this happened. I, I it it was so similar. It was other than all the raping, it was really similar to what happened at the um at the at Craster's Keep with the brothers that turned, and um 
I don't think that there was a whole lot of, well, let's just send him on a task. I think they locked up Ghost. I think they locked up Ed and anybody else that would have supported John so that they could kill him, get it over with, and start dealing with the aftermath. There, there are a lot of people that uh, have the mindset it's better to ask forgiveness later than permission before, and this mm -hmm. eliminates having to even have the conversation until after when uh, Ed will be hopefully alive <laughs> and being told, this has happened, and you can either join us or we'll kill you like we killed him. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. I oh. mean, and that might well be possible. I just don't, like, you know, he could just be coming back from the grocery store, and then they have that same conversation. Say, By, while you were out, we yeah. did a thing. Sorry we didn't ask you first, but here's the deal. You know, like, I... So you might be right. They might yeah. have actually taken the proactive steps, but I'm just thinking, like, this all happened so quickly that I don't know that they really even needed to. They could have just said, look, it'll be done by the time anybody could say anything about it. Yeah. So you might be right. I mean, I, I definitely agree that there's no way he was in on it or, or knew because he, would, he wouldn't have let it happen. Yeah. He would have warned John or something. Just before the, the big incident, we see Davos has made it there. And he's pleading the case, although it seemed more than just saying send food. He was seemed to be saying we need you guys to come fight. I don't know if I just mm -hmm. heard it, because um, you know essentially John's reaction of you know we can't get involved and right. Mm -hmm. That was my impression too. It was basically saying like you know this is dire, this is desperate. We need anything that can possibly be sent right now. Um, and you know, so I think it, it's he's he's trying to emphasize that like let's not mince words or negotiate like how much food or how many guys. Let's say, look, this is all hands on deck right now, or else it's not going to be any good at all. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where he's coming from. And Melisandre but, makes it in as well, not talking. Things look dire. Well, mm -hmm. it was interesting to me that when she left and was with Stannis, her cloak was like a blue-black, and I know I focus on color too much, but her cloak was darker and more gray, and when she returned to Castle Black, it was that same burgundy, that rich burgundy cloak again. So it's, I thought that was an interesting visual difference mm -hmm. to show. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is deliberate in terms of having her cloak specifically appear to be a different color and how much is just the filter like they put like a blue filter on scenes that they want to look colder for example mm -hmm. um, but you might be I mean it's obvious yes you're <laughs> she her definitely looks a different color I'm just I'm wondering like I don't know what what it would mean um, for it to be purposeful there does it's striking what I was though. gonna say was that um, it Earlier in the scene, she was wearing the blue, and it was when she was uh, kind of taking credit because the ice was melting, and she was like, you know, the Lord of Light is on your side. The ice is melting, and so mm -hmm. she's in this blue color. And when she goes back to Castle Black, she's definitely in a burgundy cloak, and it can mean any number of things, including the fact that she thought that she was off of the path of the Lord of Light and made a mistake with Stannis and felt like she's gone back to the light, Lord of Light and went back to Red, or I, it could mean anything. It's just a visual that stuck out to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you might be right. 
just for success. <laughs> I, but boy, you know, it's. I have to tell you guys, like, th th we're definitely into territory now where, like, this is, you know, like, I didn't know what was going to happen from the books. This is different from the books anyway. But I really expected that what was going to happen is that Burning Shireen would have had the effect that it was intended to and that the army would have rallied somehow. And I didn't know how that was going to happen because it seemed like they were in pretty dire straits. But I like that that's not what happened and that it just makes Stannis' whole thing just so hollow. Mm -hmm. And which is great because that's kind of been his thing all along is that like he is he is keeping this fire lit by burning the fuel of his humanity and then when you run out of fuel like you don't have anything left you you're just you're a shell you're a husk that's what he is at the end mm -hmm. yep it was certainly poetic the way that it was Brienne and what you could say was the first sin that we saw Stannis actually commit with, you know, the adultery with with uh, Melisandre and the shadow baby killing his brother and, you know, all of that stuff. And so it's kind of a nice circle that mm -hmm. Brienne gets to say, I sentence you to death for what you did. And, you know, she gets to carry it out. So that, that definitely had a nice little lovely circle to it. Um, but, you know, it's one of those, you know, controversial off-camera deaths. You know, did he die? You know, nobody wants to say. There's a couple, There's so many deaths like that in this episode that we're actually left with question marks, even though we see the blood leaving their bodies. That's pretty damn good storytelling right there, i got to say. Yeah. I feel like... <sighs> I, I really don't know what's going to, like, I have my theories about John for plot reasons that are not spoiler, they're just based on my expectation of where I think the story is ultimately going to go. Um, Stannis, I have no idea. Like, if he is not dead, I have no idea what they do with him at this point. Because he's so broken and lost, which is why I'm a little confused that they didn't more definitively show his death. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I would have expected him to actually die, and so I'm confused that they didn't actually make it really obvious. Yeah. Hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. I can, because his arc is finished. I don't, I don't see what else they do with him now if he's not really dead. But I agree with you, uh, Viv, what you were saying earlier that it's, it's nice that in the end he didn't get off the hook for mm -hmm. killing Renly, mm -hmm. and, uh, um, and at the same time. Like, I, I have really mixed feelings about Brienne doing it because, for me, it doesn't feel like satisfying vengeance for me. For me, it feels like she abandoned the more noble quest in pursuit of the emotional closure she wanted. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like she made a specific choice to do that and I feel like it was the wrong choice, and it's, it's maybe the first time I can think of that we saw her make the lesser of two choices, um, in, in my opinion. Now, it doesn't make her un irredeemable as a character or something, but it made me unable to appreciate the vengeance of getting to kill Stannis when we know that she's leaving Sansa unprotected in exactly the moment that she really needed something. Well, I mean... 
it's arguable how much Brian could have done even if she'd seen Sansa light the candle. It's I mean, without having any coordination on an escape plan and Ram and Ramsey coming back at that exact moment, you know, it's kind of mm -hmm. it's well, I guess not that exact moment, but you know, it's well, then what was the point of her vigil in the first place? Exactly. Other than the fact that, you know, I mean, I don't, for her, I don't think that it was vengeance. I don't think it was, I was in love with him and so he had to die. For her, I think it was more justice and it was more dispensed. And I, I, I think, again, that she's just reacting and changing the way she's reacting based on what's working and what's not working and being vigilant has not paid off once taking action has paid off you know she fought the hound off found out Arya didn't give two shits who she was you know she does she does well with action and I think she struggles with waiting and patience the same way that we see a lot of the uh, male knights in the series do they don't sit and think and plan they want to go off and hit things and knock people off horses and drink yeah. <laughs> see, see. Mm. Sorry, I I have more to say about that, but it sounds like Nutty had yeah. something too. I uh, I I definitely think that you know her going after Stannis was definitely vengeance, and I think the idea that it feels empty to us because of the events that we see, I it kind of goes towards the whole idea of well maybe she didn't kill Stannis. What if she gets to the point where she does her little speech, which is awesome by the way. I don't know if uh, if Chooch has that as an audio clip. Okay. In the name of Renly of House Baratheon, first of his name, rightful king of the Andals and the First Men, lord of the Seven Kingdoms and protector of the realm, I, Brienne of Tarth, sentence you to die. Do you have any last words? I won't do your duty. Yeah, which is, by the way, kind of awesome because I think it shows how defeated Stannis is. He's like, I thought I was meant for greatness and everything has failed. Um... Mm -hmm. But I feel like she gets to that point. She gets to the point of her vengeance. And as we learn in many other stories and in life, vengeance doesn't solve that ache that you feel when you lose someone. And she may have gotten to that point where she realizes this is entirely selfish and I've abandoned what my life has been set towards since Renly's death. And um, I feel like, and I, I don't know if this is the case, but I feel like either she kills Stannis and realizes how selfish she's been, or she's about to kill Stannis and realizes how selfish she's been, and that's why she spares him. Maybe he's got more to do uh, next season. Um, but I think that this is going to be a turning point for Brienne, in, in my heart of hearts at least. Um, I just, oh, they, they, they were so close, you know? They were they were just so close, but I do like the fact that she had the opportunity to face him. And it's not it's not just I love this guy. It's no, he was the one true king. He was a good guy, and you used blood magic. You cheated. You didn't face him in battle. You cheated and assassinated your own brother. What is wrong with you? Well, plenty, as we learned uh, when he set his kid on fire. Mm. Yeah, would risk everything he must. <laughs> uh, did you have more thoughts, Chooch? Because I, I, I had a little no. bit more, but uh, go for it. Um, I was just, 
I feel like it it was nice to get to have them have this conversation, but like part of what kept in my head feeling like this isn't the right thing, first of all, was when she's saying like Renly Baratheon, the one true king, I'm thinking he really wasn't. Like he had no legitimate claim he, at he all. Never, not once, not for a yeah. second. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So like if anyone didn't have any legitimate claim, it was Renly. Um He was running because he was popular and that was his only well, claim. <laughs> and you you could make the case um on his behalf that he felt like he needed to do it because he would be a better king than Stannis, which may or may not have any merit to it as an argument. But as far as saying the one true rightful king, like according to what? According to her vow. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so I think what Brienne is faced with here is it's an expression of, um, you know, we talked about this before. Uh, it's kind of what Jamie had said back in season two of like they make you swear so many things. You swear and swear and swear, and sometimes all of those oaths you take end up being contradictory. And mm -hmm. so I think in this case, you know, the I, at least for me personally, the like the merit of like, well, what would she have done if she saw the candle? Would that have made a difference? For me, like, that's almost beside the point because her whole mission that she had set for herself was she was going to wait there for as long as it took. But then she didn't. She quit so that she could go after this old mission that was about, like, okay, even if we want to say it's justice, like, is that justice a more pressing need than saving Sansa who's in danger? It's the same question we could ask of Arya and Marin Tran. She was well, given a guy to kill, and she went and you know what I mean. It's like it's. But a I don't support Arya in that either. I'm I'm just drawing the similarity. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Just, I I I also think though that had she seen the light when everybody was all of the fighters were out of Winterfell for the battle, she definitely could have saved Sansa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is my thought. Like I I think that's really the only opportunity that she had. I, I guess my I guess the reason I don't have a problem with the way it that to me Brienne took care of an oath and we had to me what was one of the most profound things that we have seen this whole fucking season which was with Sansa and Miranda and Reek now Theon again apparently because that allowed for her to have to find her own way out and whether they meet up outside of Winterfell or not, we had this really powerful moment where Miranda could have done anything or nothing to Sansa. We have no idea what her intentions were. We just know that she likes to kill her competition or at least maim them as she's been told that she can't harm her. So, I mean, I well, I don't that, mind that. I, I mean, I think that for once it's okay for Brienne to feel some satisfaction if that's what she got from it or to try and get that satisfaction because we could argue whether or not she did or not, whether or not she got that satisfaction. But yeah. I think well, it allowed for the, this opportunity for this really powerful and beautiful scene to happen between two people that desperately needed it to happen. And it happened at this exact moment when they both needed it, which was Reek and Sansa being able to bridge the gap and 
get the fuck out, whether they landed on snow or not, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, let me, let me make it clear, I'm not criticizing the writing of the show. Yeah. I'm saying within the story, I feel like the character of Brienne made a moral decision that I disagree with. Not that I don't like the show or the way that the series was written or the scenes. It's, it's more just like if I'm there in that field with, with Brienne, I would have advised against her plan. That's all I'm saying. No, I but, understand. I, yeah, I, so I love and I agree with the, the scene with Sansa and and Theon. Like that's that's a big scene. Like I, you know, and but I I feel like I don't have to trade one for the other. Agreed. Yeah, and that scene I can't wait to talk about. So I I still love Brienne. It's not like I'm on like not on her side anymore. I just feel like this was a misstep for her, in my opinion. I am glad I that never you meant to me. imply that you didn't like Brienne anymore. I never meant to imply such a thing. I didn't mean any disparity. I was just well, I I understand. I understand. <laughs> I think we're not we're, we're not so far apart. <laughs> you see, uh, I think we should jump straight to Sansa. She put that corkscrew to some use and then dropped mm -hmm. it immediately for some reason. I guess because she's, <laughs> she's not a fighter. <laughs> And uh, and then, as you say, we get we get Mrs. Crazy Bitch or Mistress <laughs> Case Crazy Bitch, <laughs> and Theon finally breaks. Um, it was it was a great moment. Uh, my my only wish is, as they were falling, I thought he was gonna go Groot style and like you know wrap himself around her Aww. so she'd fall on him. Mm. I think well, maybe he did. We don't know. Yeah, we we don't know what happened after the jump. We might have died her. I think what I like so much about this this whole series of scenes is that, you know, Sansa was raised up, torn down, and she saved him. It wasn't it wasn't Reek saving Sansa. It was Sansa saving Theon. Yeah, you know, she, nobody else could have triggered that in him. He mm -hmm. had to watch her go from the lowest of the low and to say, m m my quote here again, and Chuch may have it, the, if I'm going to die, let it happen while there's still some of me left. Mm -hmm. And she has made that decision that I would rather go while I'm still part Sansa than to be destroyed, that there are things worse than death. And Reek is living that experience like, you know what, you're mm -hmm. right. Let me get this glimpse of being Theon again. And and he's more than willing to die with her. And they do the whole Thelma and Louise thing. And it's it's beautiful. Because really he's done nothing, but she saved him. And I I just think it's it's actually beautiful. And so yeah. while it does not forgive some of the things that we have criticized, it is a wonderful scene. Yeah. Uh I I agree. I liked that a lot because it was First of all, I, I think like this this doesn't I don't mean to underplay Theon making the decision that he did finally, but I think it makes it feel more believable that he didn't have to do this against Ramsay. It's easier to rebel against Miranda, she's less scary than Ramsay. And so I think it was easier for him to get over that that hump, so to speak, to attack Miranda compared to I think 
he has this weird superstition at this point about Ramsey of like, well, he could do anything. Whereas Miranda is just a person. And so I feel like that helped, but it's, I don't mean to underplay how, in, you know, how big his decision was to finally do something, but I, I agree that it was all about him being so impressed and inspired that Sansa had the strength of will to remain herself that he didn't have or he hadn't had. And he had let himself become broken and do all of these additional horrible things as Reek because he couldn't have come to that place that she was in. And so seeing her in that place is what allowed him to finally come to that. And it wasn't just about seeing Ramsay do horrible things. And that's why, like, that was not, like, in retrospect, we can say that's why that wasn't what made up his mind is because he had seen Ramsey do horrible things and the idea of someone suffering at Ramsey's hands he is all too familiar with and he's in the mindset at that point of thinking you just have to do what he says and it'll be easier but then when he sees her say no kill me I would rather die than go back to that and mean it that is where like she and and the way she puts it of I want she's basically saying, I don't want to let him turn me into Reek. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to happen to me, and I would, you know, I'm going to make you kill me before I'll go back to that. And um, I think that being what finally allowed him to kind of push past that. Also, just this, like, this idea of, yeah, so I think that was, um, that worked. And, you know, so Sheriff Bullock has... Um, you know, I wish Sansa had said something along the lines of, Miranda, if you let me go, you can have Ramsey all to yourself. Uh, it probably wouldn't have worked, but it would have been an attempt. Again, a Sansa the scene becomes about Theon. And I see that point, especially since it's very much along the lines of how I felt about that previous scene that we talked so much about, that I kind of felt like I had wanted her to try something. But in this case, I feel like she was trying something. Her standing her ground and saying, no, I am not going to go back, period. Because I feel like at this point, negotiating with Miranda is just like a non-starter, and I think Sansa knows that. And that's, that's why I, I didn't miss her trying to talk Miranda out of it, because what, what, could, she, like, what could she possibly... Like, Miranda knows that Sansa is only there because of these huge political reasons. And those are not going to go away. So, like, letting Sansa get away, even if it was completely accidental, like even if she had nothing to do with letting Sansa get away, she would probably still be punished for it. I feel like there's no negotiating with Miranda or with Ramsay. And so I felt like her basically putting it as simply as, you know what, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm either getting out of here or I'm getting out of here the other way. Um, and I think that was her attempt. That was her doing something and taking action. And it was also about Theon in, in a way, but not like the last time was, where it was her suffering was just to motivate him, because as, as we saw, that actually wasn't what did it. It was her making a decision, a proactive decision about her own fate. That's what motivated him more so than just her suffering did. And so that's why, um, although I see uh, Sheriff Bullock's point, 
especially because it's very much aligned with my feelings in the past scene. That's why this scene worked better for me. I just talked a lot. <laughs> All good points, though. Yeah. Anything we left out with uh, any of Winterfell's Stannis Sansa? Um, we didn't really talk about the battle. Yeah. Um, I, I did yeah. have one... Um, I, I said this in the reaction show too, but just like as soon as we got the effects shot of all the enemy soldiers on horseback, I, I literally said out loud, that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> because I yeah. think in my head, I was still thinking that Santa was going to find a way to pull it out somehow. Yeah. yeah. And I did, and it wasn't just going to be a slaughter, but then when I just saw the numbers, I was just like, but, but that's too many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But here, here's a question, and I don't know that there's a definitive answer in the show or not. But are those soldiers on horseback meant to be the sellswords that abandoned Stannis? Ooh. I was wondering that. No too. idea. I just assumed it was Ramsay's troops since Ramsay was there cleaning up after. Thank God. Can you that one soldier that he asked for uh he surrendered was crawling away injured and he's He's I surrender, I surrender, and mm -hmm. Ramsey stabs him anyways, and it's almost like, Ramsey, you're such a dick. No, 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 no. That was really, really big mercy thrown his way. <laughs> yeah, no, what Ramsey would have done to him. Thing. He's just tired. No, 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 yeah, exactly. He's, he's uh, tired of all the killing, I guess. He doesn't have time to torture anybody right now. I didn't include it in the meme roundup, but uh, uh, because I just don't like creepy McFucko too much, um, but somebody went through and took all of Ramsey's scenes and took them out of context, removing all the horrible parts. And if you only watched that, you might think he's a good guy. And one of the scenes is, I surrender. Well, then I accept your surrender. And then it cuts to, let's go back to Winterfell. My wife must be missing me. You know? <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it's, it's so horrible. And I'm like, no, no, that's not going in the meme roundup. You don't get to be a good guy. Um, but I did want to uh, comment about uh, the shot of Winterfell. That was gorgeous. That was mm -hmm. so pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chooch, what was it that you noticed on the opening credits this week? Oh, I, I don't know why. I don't think I had noticed it before, but when Winterfell is on the map and you see the, the Flayed Man emblem, mm -hmm. that the Stark emblem was broken on the ground next to it. Hmm. Oh, I never noticed that. Huh. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to mention, and this isn't in the show, but in the books, a lot of what's been going on in the North um, during all of this time is it's not all just at Winterfell. All of Rob's men have been gathered towards uh, Bolton's side. And that the thing is, people don't know that Ramsay was with Theon when Theon was doing his thing, and they see it as Bolton got Winterfell back from the Iron Islands, from from the uh, Greyjoys. So Ramsay has a lot more men because all those people who were fighting with Rob have all returned back to the north and are now fighting for Bolton, and that marrying Sansa, just being Warden of the North, doesn't mean that they're they're seen as Lannister puppets. It's seen as okay. Well, this is the guy that's going to be handling it. I'm not too sure that everyone agrees with it, but in the books, there's like this whole scene of um, Roos 
and with him is um, one of the Mormont ladies. Lady Mormont is there, and uh, I can't remember if it's an Umber, but a bunch of names that we've all heard before are with them. So mm -hmm. the numbers uh, work yeah, out, unfortunately. I don't remember all the details because, I, I mean, at the same time, like, it's it people know what Roose Bolton did, don't they? Um, at the Red Wedding, I mean? I don't think, th I think it's all, all the blame is going to the phrase. I don't think they know you that. You know, you might be right, because I think yeah. I remember one of the bits in the book being how specifically, like, we know it's Roose Bolton because we're there in the scene. Yeah. He went and he put armor on. Um, yes. And it was so like, so he had a, like a helmet on. And mm -hmm. so people might not actually know that it was him. Didn't Jamie know, though? How did, didn't Jamie know? I think there there was some stuff in the show like that you know give uh, give uh, Rob Stark my regards um, and the then center, and the, then the Lannisters send their regards yeah yeah and then uh, but I I feel like I don't think that means Jamie knew I think that was a coincidence I do think that um, you know the uh, the Tywin knew yeah I remember talking about that back when it happened <laughs> yeah. I, I think the whole exchange of the regards and all that, I that feels to me like a coincidence because, but that may just be because I don't feel like Jamie, as portrayed right now, would have been on board with that. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have been flippant about it. It might have been one thing for him to say, well, if that's what we need to do, but I don't think he would have quipped about it. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, maybe people don't know about uh, Bolton then, um, but yeah. So in any case, Stannis getting wiped out threw me for a loop because I had really sort of set my hopes in the show where it was not yet quite definitively answered. I had kind of assumed that it was going to go well for Stannis, or at least was not going to just be a slaughter. Right, very anticlimactic. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, even though obviously it throws the plot into disarray and it leaves the Boltons in power, I do like that they didn't actually get rewarded for um, for burning Shireen. I'm glad that the Lord of Light has not held up his end of the bargain here. Yeah. Any any Lord that's okay with killing kids is is not a, good in my book. Yeah. I'm not so, <laughs> unless the power is saved for another purpose, like mm. life or life. Stark. Mm. Yeah. Does anybody wonder? Um, we all kind of probably. I think we even said it on the reaction show. Said, you know, uh, Ramsey walks away with this huge field of dead people mm -hmm. that we all know that that's really dangerous because of the White Walkers and the Blue Eyes and all that shit. But how likely is it that Ramsey or even Roos actually know and believe what's going on on the other side of the wall like is it over an oversight on his part or are they just part of the southern masses that don't believe in snarks and grumpkins and white walkers yeah. and things I, I don't think he has any idea at all I, yeah. I don't think yeah. he has any idea at all and he is perfectly content to let the bodies rot mm -hmm. And as far as we know, we haven't seen any whites awaken this far south, but it might only be a matter of time. Yeah. Winter it is coming, like you know? That horde is closer, yeah. Than yeah. It was yeah. Uh, 
if if my memory is correct and it could be wrong and I will be corrected uh, if if I'm I am wrong uh, and I welcome those corrections uh, the Boltons weren't handling Ravens when they were sending the hand around the wiggling hand um, they haven't really been in the loop very long so how much do they actually know probably not much if they've heard anything they're like yeah whatever they just want men and we'll send the men once we're done with them you know mm-hmm. uh, and I, I can totally see them well if we decide we don't want to kill them we'll send them up to the wall you know I can see them doing that uh, but I don't I don't think that they have any idea that a huge horde of dead bodies is a bad idea to leave in the snow mm-hmm. yeah. about you Chooch any opinions on the Boltons and the knowledge, or was it? I mean, because the thing that I found as an interesting tie-in was like Tyrion sitting on the small council had been hearing rumors of these dragons, you know, when he was the Hand and he was on the small council, and yet when he was in Valyria and actually saw a motherfucking dragon flying overhead, it was, it was, in spite of him knowing, it was still unbelievable. It was impossible to believe that that was flying over his head. And mm-hmm. so it's like, how much easier is it for the Boltons to be clueless on the White Walkers yeah. and the fact that they have just made an army that mm-hmm. they're going to have to turn around and fight again? And yeah, some of those are going to be their own men. Like just the brothers at the wall, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was just going to say. John oh, going up to Hardhome to get the... Luna agrees too. Clearly. <laughs> John going to get the free folk back and all that, yeah. I mean, yeah. if they... If it, the gravity hadn't sunk in then it certainly yeah. wouldn't have with the Boltons. And that was the yeah. first thing when Ramsey said, all right, let's go home. Then I was like, that's a lot of bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he even last time he, we, he, we talked about how he used the, the book four title, A Feast for the Crows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about Arya now? Sure. <laughs> we got Arya, we this? got Thursday, we got more, if we're going to talk more John, where mm-hmm. are we going next? We can go to Bravos. In the Globe or whatever it's called. Yeah, bravos. Oh yeah. man, you know, it's see. Let me ask it, Chooch really quick. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Chooch. Yes. Is Arya dead? No. What happened um, to her? Well, I mean, she's blind. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I. My guess is mm-hmm. that. Well, the. I don't know if it's a consequence of blinding Marin Trant or mm. if it's like essentially one of the faces, you know, was like mm-hmm. a blind woman and that she's kind of ha- going to have to live through these different skins until, I don't know, mm-hmm. until she finishes her training. Um, the, I grabbed the, the clip when Jock and said it because it's kind of like, you know, wow, we're getting like some secrets or <laughs> a little bit of how it works. Who's this? No one at all. Just as a girl should have been before she took a face from the hall. The faces are for no one. You are still someone. And to someone. The faces are as good as poison.
and as good as poison. So mm -hmm. if it makes someone become no one, I don't know. Um, yeah, my that that was my first guess was that that yeah she's taking over somebody else who has defects. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I think um, I think our son took it as she was dying or she was dead that and because you know John had died and we talked to him after the episode and John had died and he said you know and then he mentioned Arya and he's like I'm not even going to bother watching anymore everybody I like they're killing off and I'm like well there's theories on is this person alive or still or dead or what's the real thing it's off camera and he's just like he's so frustrated <laughs> but it's it's hard to explain that I think that Martin writes more in like the realistic, more like a historical text about war in a lot of ways where the good guys don't always win mm -hmm. and the protagonist isn't always left standing at the end of the battle and that kind of thing. Um, but he, for one, last night said he was out and I don't, I don't know how long that'll last or not because I filled his head with a bunch of crazy theories. <laughs> Are you feeling that way at all? Because that was kind of... It was a question I was going to save until the finale episode, but just for you guys to think about, um, if you were halfway through a book and you just hit Jon Snow dies, you know, at the end of the scene, if this was the halfway point in a book, would you keep reading it? So just think about that one, unless you already think you know the answer. Oh, I would. Because I don't know the answer at this point. Well, I I feel like. It, it happens at the end of book five, and if book six had been out, I would have immediately picked it up. Yeah. 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 I definitely did a flip, flip, flip. Is there any more, John? Flip, flip, flip. Ah! And then, you know, but I, I'm chomping at the bit for the next book, so that's that's my answer there. I think it's a fair reaction, but, though. But, I mean, if the show... Not the books. Not are you getting satisfaction from the books? Because obviously we all did. But well, um, like if this show, if you were looking at this show at the halfway mark and it was intermission or whatever, and you had to go, am I going to stay for the second half? You know, is this the story? All the brutality because it's 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 pretty controversial this season, especially the last couple episodes. The brutality against children, the brutality against women, the torture, the flaying of Theon, all of these things. Um, is there a breaking point? for you on watching the show like there was for Tech with uh, Theon's torture? There is for me. They haven't hit it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I, it's it's kind of the same answer for me as, as at least as far as the book because although there are certainly elements of this season that I didn't enjoy, I'm, I'm invested now in the story and the characters and I've not yet started to feel like that investment won't be rewarded. That reward doesn't necessarily mean an ending where everybody gets to, you know, you know, eat birthday cake and smile at each other. Oh, right, but, man. Um, yeah. At the same time, though, I have confidence that the ride is going to be worthwhile even when there are parts that I'm not enjoying as much. And so right now... Like I can be disappointed in some elements of the season, without um, really even being close to not wanting to watch anymore. Yeah, That's um, for me, it takes a lot for me to stop. Like once I'm into something, it takes a lot for me to stop watching or reading it. 
Um, so they'd have to do, I mean, they've done some pretty grievous things, but they've also done some really awesome things. So until the scales tip to the point that I'm just not having fun anymore, I don't see myself stopping. Um, like I remember I had a conversation with somebody about this this week on Facebook, uh, Gilmore Girls. I really enjoyed that show and it got to a point where like this story-wise, they were going through a hard part for people to watch. Like, Rory just kept making all these horrible decisions, yeah. and Lorelai wasn't making good ones either, and nothing good was happening for any of my characters, and it was just a chore to watch. And I was like, that's it, I'm done, you know? And then, uh, recently, I went back through a rewatch, and I got to the same point, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't need to, like, and I just stopped again. And that's, you know, you get to a point where there's not enough stuff to keep me invested in the show to keep me watching. Mm -hmm. So until those scales tip, that's what it is, you know. And until you stop having those fist pump, yeah, this is my show, this is why I'm watching it, Mm -hmm. I don't see myself giving up. Yeah, I think it's still completely fair for everyone to have their own scale, right? And so, Absolutely. you know, if if someone has watched this season and feels like, you know what, I'm just not having fun anymore, I would say, well, go find another show to that, that you will have fun. And that's not like a don't criticize my show. You might only watch something else if you don't like it. It's not that. It's more just a matter right. of like I don't want anyone to have to spend their valuable time watching something that they're yeah. not enjoying. Um, yeah. So it's more just like, honestly, if like if you feel if someone feels like, you know what, I didn't like this, this, and this. I'm not having fun anymore. I'm gonna watch something else. I would say, okay, you know, yep. it's not for everybody. But at the same, like I understand why some people have that, you know, that emotional reaction of like, oh well, if you don't like this, but I do, that means you don't like me somehow. Yeah, a lot of people tie up a lot of self-identity yeah. to that stuff and like, whether or not people agree with them. Yeah, and like I I get that feeling, but I think we all have to just sort of sometimes if we start to feel that way, you have to take a step back and just say, yeah. okay, come on, mm-hmm. it's just a TV show. Yeah, be We're respectful. watching this because we like it, and if you don't like it, there's lots of other TV shows. Yeah, and yeah. you don't need to crap on somebody's page all yeah. the time that does like, like the show still. And as far as finding a point, like, for example, I've been watching uh, Outlander, and Outlander had a really, really rough episode near the end of the season two. Uh, Not season two, but also the season also. And honestly, I think for me in that show, maybe partly because it's season one and there, there aren't a whole series of books that I've read that have me more invested, but... That show, if I hadn't been told on pretty good authority that, like, oh, yeah, that part you didn't like, that's like, that. it never goes any worse than that. So because someone told me that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll give it another chance. But when it was, when it was feeling like, is that going to, is like, is this just what this show is going to be? Because if it is, I don't really want to watch that. And so I, that's where I was at. I was going to not watch it for the next season until someone basically said, I get what you're feeling. It's not going to always be like that. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's maybe other things that I like about it. And so I could get being at that point. And if someone's feeling that way, I, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Matt, uh, Sheriff Bullock is, uh, is quoting the theme song to Outlander. He's also the one that told me that it doesn't, it, it's not like that <laughs> after that point. Um, it, and like and so I get that feeling, and if and if people, 
you know, and the other the other thing I think that's important to remember is, you know, deciding to stop watching a show is not like a permanent irrevocable decision, right? Yep. Maybe you can always come back later. Season. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe just like you know, just say, you know what, I'm gonna stop watching week to week. I'm gonna check out of the internet drama water cooler talk that happens every time. I'm gonna let people kind of pre-vet seasons for me. Let me know if there's going to be things that I really don't want to see or something like that. And then I can go in a little bit more educated with some of the sharper edges blunted and then maybe like it better or or not. You know, and yeah. all of that's completely fair. And so I'm not at that point for me, but I certainly wouldn't hold anything against anyone else if they felt that they were at that point. I used to do that back and forth with my friend Bob DeGrand. You know, he's like, okay, you want to watch this episode. Okay. And then and then I would watch something. I'm like, you really want to watch this episode. You may not like this other one, but you really want to see this one. So uh, that was definitely a, a very big thing. And uh, as I keep saying to people, life is too short for bad TV. You know, there's so many good things out there. If you're not enjoying something, just it's okay. It's, it, there's nothing wrong. You don't have to live up to uh, what your friends are watching and what they find interesting. I've had people say to me, I don't, um, I don't get Archer. Why does everyone love it? I try to watch it, and I just don't like it. So don't watch it, you know? Yeah. Everyone else, all your friends may like it, but it's not for you. That's okay. It doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you guys can't be friends. It's just, okay, move on. I mean, I... Did not like Lost. Had no interest in it. I have so many friends that did podcasts on Lost. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm fine. I'm secure in who I am. So. <laughs> and everyone's like, you didn't like Lost? What's wrong with you? I don't. Um, Welcome to the Lost podcast. Any other, <laughs> any other thoughts on Aria? Oh, well, yeah. I, I feel like I didn't even really say anything yet. Um, um, <laughs> Uh, it's interesting that you made the comparison um, before with Brienne and Arya just because I'm kind of in the same place with Arya here is that on the one hand Arya is still very much a character that I'm rooting for and I like and one of my favorites but I also feel like she is really far out on a limb right now and my hope for her, my wish for her is that she'll she'll pull back rather than go further in that direction. I don't know if that's what's going to happen or not, but I definitely feel like as as horrible as Marin Trent was and as much as I don't feel bad for him in the slightest that it was Arya doing it and it's not just like oh I don't want her to get in trouble with Jack and it's more just kind of like Arya is this who you want to be? is someone who does this kind of thing to people. Well, yeah, Thank she you. did it like totally emotionless and you know, it was she it was to me again it was like the Brian justice versus vengeance. It, it's just like there I didn't see any enjoyment for Brian. I didn't see any enjoyment for Arya in those deaths. Um I just I I this is one of the reasons why I was dreading book four so much because Arya is so young and she is so beloved by so many. She's been my favorite character since the beginning of book one and 
it's hard. It's so hard to see her go through this, and I'm glad that they skipped some pieces of, of her journey that they did that were long and hard, too. And I, I know that people are miffed that they're caught up to the books in a, uh, in a lot of places, but, you know, I've, I'm okay with not seeing every step of her trauma and all of that stuff for before she gets in the house black and white and or whatever it's called. And I don't know. It's just, what about you, Nutty? I don't think you've, have you really gotten a word in about Arya? All right, so I'm very different from Christiana in this case, which is uh, a rarity. Um, well, yes, I normally put a lot of value on saving yourself from becoming a killer and that, you know, that eats away at your soul. All I can say is that while I was watching her kill Marin Tran, I'm like, silent, faceless Arya. Now that's a murder. And I was really excited and I really enjoyed how she did it. And she was totally badass and it was awesome. And honestly, I really think that like Arya is the Dexter of Westeros. I mean, she's she's just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> care about her as a character, but she she's going to be this cold-blooded killer. And I'm kind of fine with that. Uh, one thing that I was talking about with uh, with Tech and he he had read something. The faceless men seem to get a lot of airtime in a show that cuts a lot of stuff out. And it makes you wonder, okay, so why? Why are they getting so much face time? Is it just because everybody likes Jacques and Hagar and they're reusing the actor? Or is there more to it? If you think about it, um, the the Lord of Light, lol, it's it's fire. It's blood magic. What kind of magic does ice use? Well, they use death. The White Walkers use death as a way to create their magic. And, and it's all in turning and stuff. And what do the faceless men do? Who do they worship? They worship the god of death. So mm. there's some people who think that maybe there's a connection between the faceless men and the White Walkers. Or maybe that, like the Lord of Light, they're tapping into it. So, like, the dragons are tapping into fire magic. You know, they're part of the fire magic. And the White Walkers and the others are part of the ice magic. And so you've got these two different uh, magical types of people. And one is tapping into blood magic and one is tapping into death magic. And so while I don't have a fully formed theory, it should make me go, oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, I mean, the fact that Arya's eyes turned blue was a very visible clue on on what um, I think that theory may be. Did they turn blue? They yeah. turned white. They turned white, like okay, blind. Okay, they white. turned yeah. white. That's 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 how it looked to me. Okay, yeah, because I didn't see blue either. Um, and then one of the other things that that I noticed, one of the faces on the body was that the um, the dude from Karth. One of the old man face. Mm. It was the um, uh, what were oh, they called? The, the necromancer. The warlocks. Yeah, it looked like an, yeah, it looked like one of the warlocks. It, but it may just be similar faces. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that that idea of oh, this is interesting has been floating around in my head for the last yeah. couple of days. That that is interesting. Although my gut kind of tells me it's almost the opposite, just because uh, there's some. There's two different elements in this uh, um, this this episode about the idea of stealing a death, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, Arya when she's killing Marin Trant actually talks about the many-faced god stole a couple of the names from my list, but mm -hmm. 
But then yep. um, Jackins later is saying, you know, that death was not yours to take. You stole it from the many-faced God. And see, what I'm thinking is, like, what the the White Walkers are doing is they're taking dead things and, like, bringing them back, which is, like, the opposite of what the many-faced God does. Mm -hmm. It's like stealing it back from death. But maybe that has that whole life-for-life life thing for every... And all those faces. ...faceless men do... That allows the white. I don't know. No. I'm just. It's coming to me, and it's like maybe <laughs> that allows the white walkers. Because they're reanimating the dead in a sense by recycling the faces, aren't they? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's I, why I assume they've been washing the bodies and taking good care of them, is because they've been okay. taking the faces and using them for their wall of hall of many faces. Right. And yeah, I thought it was curious when he said, you know, you stole a life from death because. My immediate thought was, well, who's to say which life, you know, is death's? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little bit like with Melisandre, and like she claims to know what the Lord of Light wants, right. but she was clearly wrong in the case of Stannis. Yeah. So, you know, Jockin is telling us he knows who the many-faced God wants to have killed and who he doesn't. Well, who are we to? Why is he the authority on this? Like, why does he know who the many-faced God wants dead and who who he doesn't? And for that matter, what I really liked about the the mask off at the end of that whole segment is the idea of it's like, well, the guy that we thought was Jacken all this time was that really Jacken? Is Jacken even a person? You know what I mean? It's like the face mm -hmm. that Arya knew way back at Harrenhal. Is that just one of the faces from the hall? Mm -hmm. Is there a Jacken, Or is Jacken just one of the faces that any of the faceless men might use? Mm -hmm. and, and I liked that idea. And there was also, I don't think they're doing this, but just there was a creepy element of like when Arya sees like the, like the dead Arya, it's like, what if? That is really Arya dead, and our Arya is someone else a with the Arya man. face. No now, one. I don't they're think no one until they yeah. put on Arya's face, and then they're Arya. I don't like. I don't think they're doing that. I don't think they're moving forward with that plot idea. But uh, I like the idea that it's introducing that confusion of, <laughs> like, it's not as simple as saying, "Oh, it's someone in a Halloween mask," but we know who they are really. It's, mm -hmm. it's introducing this idea of like, no, they really are no one until they put a face yeah. on. It was Bruce Willis the whole time. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like these faceless men, mm -hmm. uh, they share information somehow. And and so it kind of goes to my whole thing. You know, the, the idea is, is Jack and Cereal Pharrell? Well, maybe, maybe not. But maybe Cereal was a face. And maybe, you know, maybe uh, if it's not the same person wearing the face that was Sirio and then Jacken, that somehow that knowledge is shared. Because every now and then, Jacken would say something that would make you think of Sirio. And then she goes to the, in the show, she goes to the house of black and white and she sees what she thinks is Jacken instead of a, a kindly old man. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they're not the same person but they're two faceless men wearing the same mask so they can share the information 
And I mean, then, I don't, I don't, I haven't thought about like an info database or anything mm -hmm. like that of in the faces or in a record or anything like that, but it would make sense because the whole thing that we've learned this, this whole season for Aria, hasn't it? Didn't she leave mm -hmm. for Bravos last season on the season finale? So yeah, um, this whole season has been about her being told you have to be no one. So mm -hmm. when she meets the face Jack and Hagar, then that is Jack and regardless of who the original person is that put it on, because they had to be broken down to nothing. So they are that is, you know, if it is Arya, if Arya's wearing if it's Arya's face and it is Chucky and it is Sirio if they're wearing that face, you know, it's they self identify by whatever face they're wearing and that's their their story. I mean, isn't isn't that what we've been learning? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they've never explained the information transfer. That part's, at least I don't remember that from the books. Did they explain it in the books by this point? No, no it's all... I don't think they do much explanation of any of the magic. It just, you see it and you're like, well, okay, so what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. It's all speculation. Yeah. Which we could just be speculating all this magic stuff and how does this magic work? And it's it's not even on George's radar, you know, like that that's one of the things that I constantly have to remind myself. I get so wrapped up in theories and thinking that something means something, and then I remember about the eye color thing. And uh, what that is is in one book he says uh, Renly's eyes are blue, in another book he says they're green, and people are like, wait a minute, what happened? And he's like, is they're kind of. In the next book he's like, they're kind of blue green, and 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 they shift depending on the light. And yeah. he just says, I I wish I never mentioned anybody's eye color. I can't <laughs> believe I completely missed on that. And he yeah, uses yeah. fact checkers for little things like that. So sometimes you think something's really important, and then it's like, no, it's just. I forgot what eye color it is. And even if it's <laughs> even if it was important to George, that doesn't mean it's going to be important to um, Weiss and Benioff. Yes, mm -hmm. this is true. Uh, also, mm -hmm. over to King's Landing. Yeah. You see, uh, Cersei is finally broken. She's ready to confess. And nothing is ever simple. Right. Um, I I continue to maintain my position that whether it's knowingly insincere or not, the High Sparrow is really more concerned with taking down the nobility than he is about sincerely following the Seven. Like, yep. he may even believe that he, that's what the Seven are calling him to do, but I think that the priority is taking down the nobility and not just serving the Seven. He yeah. may think that's what they want him to do. But my point just being, like, when Cersei is trying to do her confession with like the fancy words, he like cuts her off. Is like, are you going to confess something or what? I mean, he doesn't say it like that, but, <laughs> um, but, and then just this, like the, the whole, the whole walk of shame here, the, this whole thing. We talked about this in the reaction show too, that this idea, like this thing he told Elena, like, you know, the nobility have to learn that, you know, the seven treats all sinners equally. And I'm just thinking, this is not an equal punishment to if just some farmer's wife slept with the milkman. Yeah. Well, this we, is not we haven't, we certainly haven't been shown that as a, as a plausible thing that happens. This is out of the ordinary for us, other than having seen the High Septon go through it. 
hers is, is only the second we've seen like it. So they certainly do not demonstrate it as being pointed at anybody but the nobility. Right. Totally. Well, I've almost been thinking of it as like a reflection of like the politics and the 99% and the one percenters and it's it's I'm wondering if they're not really keying into some of those hot button issues that we've got in this country right now about the mis however you want to describe the distribution of wealth in this country and you know all that goes with it. I thought I just thought that that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um in the show at least that that you know, I had said in the reaction show that I thought Cersei handled this a lot stronger than she did in the books, but it seems to be punishment, not penance. Mm -hmm. And in the show, there's a lot more, you know, the, the sins that they react to are different from what they're reacting to in the show. In the show, it just seems like this is slut-shaming. We're just, you're a woman, you're evil, we're going to take you down a peg, you thought you were better than us. And it's just really uncomfortable to watch, and yeah. I don't enjoy it. In the books, the uh, the reason why her her hair is cut, you know, she's she's her head is shaved, and the reason why she's naked is the idea is you are to make this new walk because now that you've confessed, you've relieved your soul of your sins, and you are to make this walk as the way that you were when you were brought into this world, no hair, no clothes, it's its a rebirthing process. Right. Whereas here it was, we're going to chop off all your hair to demoralize you. I mean, this is what they do in some prisons in other countries to demoralize women is they chop off their hair. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to strip you naked. And it looks like Cersei didn't really realize that was going to happen. Whereas in the books, she's taking off the clothes and she's being regal and and she understands that this is part of her penance and she is willingly doing these things. Whereas in the show, it just seems so... Uh, it just seems so like, no, this is something we are doing to you. You are not a part of this. Right. You, you have no part of this. This, walk. Is, yeah. you know, this is punishment, not penance. Um, in the books, when when the accusations of incest come up, she says, you know, as she does in the show, she says, well, these are just Stannis' claims, and, and he wants to be king. And the High Sparrow goes on this diatribe. He's like, well, you know, he, he worships a false god, you know, that red demon, you know, that's disgusting. We hate him, and we've got plans for him kind of an idea. Whereas here, he just doesn't even... It doesn't offend him that Stannis is worshipping the Red God. Whereas right. in the books, I mean, like, in the show, it seems like n the religions aren't opposite each other except for the Red God. Whereas in the in the books, they talk about how the, the seven, uh, the reason why there's so few weirwood trees in the south is because the, the faith of the seven, they burned them. They destroyed them. They are actually anti the old God, and that the the split of religion is very important in the books and and the stark children are constantly dealing with the idea of well my mother worshiped the seven and my father worshiped the old gods and we had a septa but we also had a godswood and 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 sansa kind of was definitely in the seven camp and then as she used the godswood as safe haven it was the only thing that made her feel like a stark anymore so there was a lot of that and i think that goes back to the whole uh, George used the War of the Roses as um, inspiration for this, you know, the whole Catholic Protestant thing. So I just, I I feel like in the books there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of levels, and here it's just, 
you're a slut, you slept with people, that's all we care about, and we're going to knock you down a peg, and ha-ha, we cut off your hair, stripped your clothes off, and now we're going to throw doo-doo at you. And it just, ugh, I'm, I'm, I'm less of a fan of the storyline in the show than I was in the books, which wasn't great. <laughs> I kind of, I I think that it's really, like Nutty said, it was, I agree with all of that. It was obviously a punishment, and it wasn't a, you know, say five Hail Marys and you're all good, you know, walk, your soul is clear in heaven and all that shit. You know, this was really ugly. It was really brutal. It was violent. It was sexual attacks. It was waving penises and God knows what thrown at her back because some of that, I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was blood or poop or a vegetable, <laughs> but um, I think that the way that it was done, it. Okay, so here's a question: How differently do you think Cersei, who was completely humbled, she was shorn of her hair, shorn of her clothes, her identity, her guards, I'm absolutely everything, and is forced to make this walk barefoot and all of that stuff. But what if the people had viewed it as what the Septon, what the High Sparrow said it would be, which is like, this is your cleansing, this is your, you're a new, clear soul, you, re, you're reborn, blah blah blah, you know, before the, before the gods and the people and all this stuff, and then pushes her out, shame, shame, shame. But if she had been treated with actual forgiveness and kindness and the kinds of things that you expect in church after you make confessions of sins and sorts of things, what kind of an impact do you think that might have made on Cersei at that extremely vulnerable moment of instead of all the violence and the nastiness and you know, you know you've screwed more people than I have and, and those kinds of slut-shaming things, um, do you think it would have left a lasting impression on Cersei in that state that she was in, as raw as she was? Or is she just Cersei get just always going to be a horrible, horrible person? I my feeling about this shifted a little bit in the second viewing. Um, I, I am absolutely not in favor of, of this method of of punishment in any way, and in fact, I think that it going on so long and being so brutal helps to convey that because I think they wanted to try to make sure that as much of the audience as possible was on board with the point of like you know we hated Cersei we wanted her to get her comeuppance but this is not right and I think that they wanted everybody in the audience on board and not to have anyone left who is saying yeah good give it to her like all of the people around her are doing yeah it seemed to go on a lot on and on <laughs> yeah and I think that there probably are a lot of people even still who might be reacting that way, um, but I feel like it going on so long is is a specific attempt to say um, we want to make it clear that the the show's perspective is no matter what she may deserve in terms of you know karmic retribution, like this is not the way that any civilization should treat people, no matter who they are. And that, like, this is a beneath human dignity way for anything to happen, even someone who deserves a lot of punishment. Sorry. Unless it had been Joffrey. <laughs> oh yeah. What did What did you think of of that whole on the rewatch, honey? 
Uh, similar to my initial reaction, um, that how long it was that it kept going and going, and you know, and her initial look at the red keep and seeing how far it is, and realized did you have to go all that way. I absolutely, it's it's a horrible thing. Nobody should be put through that, and it definitely made me root for her a bit. And it was like I said on Sunday, she was broken enough to confess, you know, mentally she's getting out. She's bloodied and battered and she's going and going and she finally falls to one knee and she's crying, but she held her head up the whole time. You know, she never, she kept going and she didn't totally break down crying until her foot was on that bridge. And of course my first thought was, why aren't those fucking guards giving her a cape? You know, <laughs> just standing too. Um, but you know, she's still a horrible person. I don't think she's learned any lessons. I think, especially. Oh, well, she wouldn't with, have from that walk. No, with the Franken mountain, you know, she's like job one is mm -hmm. tear down the church. And I don't quite get where the high sparrow is coming from because I mean, well, he has to know that's going to be her first move is have the King take away that power. So he must have a plan. I, I was surprised well, that they, they let her out on bail because she's never going to want to go back. She still has a she's, trial. Yeah. There's still I, a trial coming. I do not see her showing up at that trial unless she's stacked some things, you know. But here's, here's the thing that this walk of shame has done, though, is there's a lot more of the little people than there are of the royalty. And if the royalty was to go in now and then take out the high septon and all of this as punishment for, you know, the, the, the queen sinned. She confessed. And this was, you know, like as awful as it is, you know, for us viewing, like the idea that like, oh, are you going to go kill all these septons for that? You're going to destroy the church? Well, this walk of shame has proven to them and demonstrated to them irrevocably Royalty is not untouchable. They are not the queen. Mm -hmm. It is, look at that slut. And in that case, if that's what we're dealing with, all of a sudden the idea that the crown can just go in with the gold cloaks and do anything they want becomes a lot more shaky as a possibility. Because, And I think that's what this whole thing is meant to accomplish. It's not... It's not even punishment for Cersei. It is to show the whole city that they are not untouchable. Mm -hmm. And and that's I think what is really going on there anyway. It's like it's not even really about Cersei. It's about the sparrows proving oh, the will of the seven is above all, even the royalty. And they are the ones that are corrupt. And maybe we should they're so corrupt they ought to be you know, taken down. Maybe that's what the seven want, right? And that's, I think that's what the High Sparrow is all about. And um, and so this, doing this to Cersei, it's like, why is he willing to let her out on bail? Because he gets to do this to her. Yeah. And that proves to the people, you know what? The queen really is just a woman. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. And, and let's not forget that if 
she's been accused of incest and that her children don't are not legitimate and can't be king and they wipe out the entire uh, faith or they get rid of those accusers what does that tell the rest of the world about these accusations it only then gives validity to these accusations yeah, yeah. they didn't want to have it they weren't willing to risk a trial because they knew they were yeah. guilty exactly so she's she's gonna have to think on it or continue to make bad decisions <laughs> um, to go back to the question that you had um, earlier, Viv, that, like what what would Cersei's reaction have been if the crowd did react differently? I mean, on the one hand, it's a, I mean it's hypothetical because I don't think that would have ever happened, and I don't think actually yeah. even that the High Sparrow would have ever accepted expected that to happen. Yeah. I think he knew exactly how this was going to play out. Um, but if the hypothetical that the crowd reacted differently. Honestly, I think that Cersei would have been too easily able to retreat into, well, this is what I'm owed. I'm special. I'm the queen. This is, it's only right that they should treat me so nicely. And mm -hmm. I think she would have been able to withdraw into that, to rebuild that shield around herself. And I think treating, like, Exactly what this was meant to show to the people also showed it to her because she was trying to stay regal all this time but with every step realizing how much of an act that is and having that act get harder and harder. And so I, I guess I read it differently. I saw her as very raw and very broken and as they showed the steps of her being scrubbed down and I mean, I really did see there was like a little window. She lost Joffrey in her arms. She's We know she's about to find out that she's lost her second child. And I think that that was a real moment where this, the High Sparrow could have actually reached her if he had had better intentions than what you're, you know, like what you're, you and I agree on is that he wasn't really trying to do any religious work there. He was doing political work with her. This might be a case where we're biased a little bit having read the book because we see all this from Cersei's POV in the books. And yeah. again, it's not necessarily the same in the show, but in the books, when she confesses, it is not because she actually feels bad at all. It is, I have got to get the hell out of here because I can't do any of the maneuvering I need to do or any of the manipulation I need to do when I'm stuck in the cell. I need to get out of here no matter what it costs me so that I can fix this. And it is a purely cynical move that, and she is unprepared for how hard it ends up being. Totally. It, and I, well, I think the show I think the show conveys that as well. She yeah. sees it as like, oh yeah, well, hmm, I'll confess to that one, but not the one that could get us all in a lot of trouble. So right. I was very clear that they were both very methodical and strategic about their what they were doing and that she just didn't realize what she was messing with when she got into it with him. Okay. I, I guess I just I'm not sure where the moment that you're you're talking about then that you think when he, he pushes her when when she is when he states her her sins and pushes her forward, the crowd is immediately cursing at her, swearing at her, and that is her entire experience all the way down. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if maybe that first group of people that were in front, if they had said 
anything other than wagging penises and snatches and and hurling curse words. If anyone had had said something about her bravery for speaking forward or not flung some feces at her, I think that there was there were a couple of minutes that she was very weak and fragile, and where like when Shooch says she looks up and it's just seeing how close she is. And I don't think it's a coincidence that she keeps her chin up. I don't think it's because of simply the regal background and everything. This is a woman that almost poisoned Tommen on the Iron Throne when she thought that they were going to die previously. Um, I just, I think there were a couple of points that they showed on that walk. One of them was her initially being pushed off and we're all kind of awaiting to see what the reaction from the crowd is going to be and then that's all that it is and she keeps her chin up because yes, Regal, yes, Lannisters, we play our debts, blah, 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 but that's also where her one baby is that she can get to, the one baby that she can walk to. And so I, you know, I think it all ties in together for her. It's absolute mm -hmm. greed. It's actually absolute politics and strategy. But it's also, um, it's also primal, in that she's trying to defend her offspring mm -hmm. and get to him. You know, and to but, get back in control to run the show under the auspices that she tells herself is that she's just looking out for her kids. I just think though that if the uh, if the crowd had treated her nicely, that would have just made it all the easier for her to just be like, oh, I'm doing the right thing here, I'm getting home, and this is easy because everyone knows that I'm worthy of respect, and oh, I'll, I'll play, oh, that I'm the repentant sinner, and I'll let them forgive me, and I'll get home and be able to do what I need to do. And I think only the anger and the, the demonstration that she is not untouchable, which was meant both for her and for the people, I, I see what you're saying, but I... I don't think that she could have been reached by forgiveness at that point because I think that at that point she is still in a very cynical mindset and all that would have done is make this an easier experience for her. That That's what I think. But I also think that it played out this way by design. Like it was never going to go any other way. It wasn't really about forgiveness. Yeah. But again, like I said, I might be biased just knowing what where her head was at in in the books, which was basically that there, she, she's she still really sincerely does not believe she did anything wrong. Right. Yep. She thinks that she's being unfairly punished and that it's not fair and that she should be above all of these stupid rules, and so she why should she need forgiveness? She didn't do anything wrong. That's that's where yeah. she's at in the book. I I think that mostly all she's thinking about is how am I going to get out of this? Not so much like, oh, shoot, I screwed up. I did a bad thing. It's, nope, these are just, this is just an obstacle I have to deal with and I need to get out of this. And just like everything else she's ever done. Um, I don't think, I you know, to Cersei, she is the hero of her story. And, and that is how it will continue to be. And I think that's true for almost all of the characters in Game of Thrones. I think that's Game true for everybody that's ever yeah. lived. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of the things that we often forget when we're reading something. It's like, oh, this guys he's a bad guy because he likes doing bad things, you know. I'm a bad kid. I do bad things. I smoke with cigarettes. You know, that that kind of archetype. <laughs> he's just laughing. He knows the reference. Um, and And the thing that we forget is, no. Everybody thinks they're the hero. They think that they they are the one 
who is doing everything right and nobody's understanding. And I love that about this story is we really do see that. And even though, even when you get into Cersei's head and you're like, dude, you're fucked up. Because why do you think that makes you the hero? You can still see how she's just doing her best. It is an interesting question, though. Just like, what if this society was what the High Sparrow seems to be pretending that it is? What if it really was like that? What would be different? That is an interesting question. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Cersei does make it. Kyburn's the first one to help her and cover her up. And I see Uncle Kev is back in town. Yeah. Um, I was relieved, and I said this in the reaction show, but relieved that we didn't have to have Tommen see her like that. I, yeah. I was afraid that that was going to happen, and I was glad that it didn't. Um, for Tommen's sake, more than anything. Absolutely. Um, it's still going to yeah. be traumatizing when he sees her, but it's got, not going to be nearly, nearly like what it would have been if he'd been mm -hmm. standing there when the gate opened. I think everyone else is going to be pl plenty traumatized just by Frank and Mountain. Yeah. The, yeah. The skin under that helm does not look healthy. No. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> and this the super creepy. Oh, yeah, he he took a vow of silence. That's why he only grunts and moans occasionally. Right. Mm. Well, technically the mountain didn't do much verbalizing earlier either, so So it took a mm -hmm. vow specifically to Cersei. Mm -hmm. Not to the crown, not I did wonder, though. I, that, that I'm, yeah, I'm interesting point, Chooch. I'm sorry. I just that is an interesting point that Chooch made about it being to her and not to the throne. Mm -hmm. Well, it also just occurs to me um, that uh, you know you have to be appointed to the Kingsguard, and so how did they swing that? Because it's a little different than it was in the in the books. Um, theoretically, Tommen could do it, and so maybe Kyburn was able to just get in there and say, "Hey, can you sign this for me?" But it also seems like Kevin is back to being hand of the king now, and he's acting as regent because you know Tommen's not actually doing anything. So, like, did he have anything to say about this? I don't think any of this is really ultimately important. It just made me wonder a little bit about the logistics of it. Yeah, because Kevin doesn't seem to care for Cersei well, very much. And... Yeah, but Kyvern's on the small council, so I'm just thinking he made it happen somehow. Yeah. And and honestly, if if Sir Robert is there to... I don't know if they actually mentioned his name. Did I don't think they it? did. I don't okay. think they did. But Sir Robert Strong is the name in yeah. the books. It, it, yeah, and it could change because the show does yeah. that. Um, if he's there to protect Cersei, even though Kevin does not agree with Cersei, Kevin will have to agree that they that Cersei should not be found guilty of incest and that the the king is an illegitimate bastard. Yeah. So he will be on the side of okay, this is this is a weapon that we need. Mm -hmm. So even if he thinks yeah, she deserves what point. she gets, he's there to protect Tommen. Mm -hmm. And everyone understands that if Cersei goes down, Tommen's going down. Yeah. Or at least I think everyone does. 
Well, that's it, that's a good point, and I had kind of uh, not taken that into account in my thinking because I was definitely thinking Kevin seems like a much more level-headed sort who is not a fan of Cersei's nonsense, uh, does not seem like he would be on board for Franken-Mountain, but you're right that there is an incredibly powerful motivation to say we cannot let her be found guilty of these charges because then the whole thing, the whole house of cards crumbles. Well, yeah, we we found out previously that the Lannisters were didn't they weren't they up to their eyeballs in debt and relying mm -hmm. on the crown? Yeah, yeah the mines for were Rock. empty. So, well, even and Marjorie, if Kevin it, even if Kevin hates Cersei until the day he dies, he's not going to want the crown trying to collect any mm -hmm. fees or lose any money in coming from. Well, we know there's no money coming in mm -hmm. from Casterly Rock, but. Mm -hmm. The financial decision on the land that he's taking care of now, even if, even if he doesn't give two shits about Cersei or Tommen, because I don't know, he's still a Lannister. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is, I feel like even more than I understood it in the books at this point, all of the Seven Kingdoms are in precarious freaking state right now. Because if we let's let's talk about briefly what happens if Cersei is found guilty of this. It means Tommen is not legitimately king. Marjorie is not off the hook yet. Uh, you know, she's still got her own trial, and even if she was not accused of anything, she's only queen to the illegitimate king. Stannis is apparently dead up in the north, and nobody liked him anyway. Like, who even steps up? It's going to be some no nobody that nobody's ever heard of, and then nobody's going to want to follow them, and it's going to just be, like, chaos. Gendry! <laughs> <laughs> That's your cue. But it's also just like, <clears throat> might be a good time for uh, someone to sail across the uh, narrow sea. Or fly on her dragon. <laughs> yeah. With some dragons, maybe, maybe a Dothraki horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I am ready to rate this sucker. Um, we didn't really talk much about John's actual fate. Oh, did we didn't. Okay, yeah, yeah. We kind yeah. of we covered the earlier bits with him, but not really the end bit very much. Or did yeah. I just blank that out somehow? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, we definitely I mean um seemed pretty damn dead to me, glazed over in the snow, blood pooling and I was it was on his face for so long. I was expecting his yeah. eyes to turn blue. Yeah. <laughs> for him to get up. Um this is definitely one of those things that, um, again, th th this is not spoilers because I don't even know about any of these spoiler chapters for the next book, but, you know, this is now caught up completely to the end of book five, so I have no idea for sure what's going to happen, but I don't believe for a minute that Jon Snow, the character, is finished with the show. I do believe that he is dead, but there's too many different ways that something could still be going on here because there's Melisandre who just showed back up and there's precedent in the show of the Red Priests being able to resurrect people. I mean, that, that hap has happened already in the show. Yeah. Um, there's also the warging element because we haven't seen where Ghost is, but we know that he's around. So there's a, you know some warging element that can happen. There's also whites coming back, and like you know, um, is just the character of Cold Hands a spoiler at this point? It's, 
Okay. Um, I, so I, won't... I, I think Cold Hands is basically, I think we've mentioned him before. There was a character called Cold Hands. I just Hands. want an air on the side of not spoiling anything that might yeah. happen next season no, no, just because we not, don't know. I'm not trying to what spoil they're gonna I'm do. just saying we have mentioned the name Cold Hands before. And mm, we have yeah. said there was a character, yeah. he's not in the show. Right. The point. The point is ultimately, though, that I can think of the two ways that I just said, and two ways that I haven't said and won't at the moment, um, that he could possibly be still around, even yeah. if he is still like, even if he legitimately bleeds out and his heart stops and he stops breathing and and everything. There's ways that he could still be back as a character. And honestly, I don't think it's, I think it's ridiculous for anyone to put any stock in the stuff of like, well, Kit Harrington says on this TV show that he's not back for the next season. All that's nonsense. I don't care about yeah. that. Um, <laughs> and, and they would definitely want to plant that. Let's not forget that <laughs> Kit yeah. Harrington signed a contract till 2017 also. Yeah. And just because Bran wasn't in this season doesn't mean Bran is no longer part of the story. He hasn't cut his hair. But I'm sure they've all signed contracts through 2017. Yeah, so I don't know what's really going to happen there. It's all speculation. But I am also, it's it's interesting question because one of the things, obviously, that this whole series has really uh, made its bread and it has been its bread and butter is taking up you know these traditional fantasy tropes and then subverting them unexpectedly. And it would be a hell of a trope subversion to have Jon Snow be actually really dead and gone forever. I would be really surprised. Mm, um, yeah. I think that's not what's going to happen. I I think that so like I think Marcella is dead. I don't think she's coming back. Stannis, I could give even money to whether he's really dead and they just chose not to do the effect shot for some reason, um, or that Brienne changed her mind at the last second I, because they didn't show us the body. I feel like that one could go either way. John, I think, has died, but there are ways he could come back, and I think that's the most likely. And Miranda definitely dead. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah Miranda's definitely dead. <laughs> no, we didn't really talk about it back then, but that was a hell of a shot. That was so visceral, yes. that shot of her falling. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I didn't this week, but I feel like if any part of this whole se season was going to give me nightmares, it would actually be that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, not to distract from John's scene, but just like this for me in terms of this season, this was the moment that, you know, just like, you know, going through season three and now the book readers are saying, RW, RW. Um, this was the moment that I was kind of waiting for for this season that I was pretty sure they were going to do, especially early on in the season when they start setting up Ollie as. I don't agree with what you're doing with the wildlings. And it's like, oh, yeah, I see where that's going to go. And having him be just the last person to stick John is a little um, different. But I guess he also, like, tells him this story about Benjen. Well, that's why I think it's, and I don't mean to be a dead Stark, but um, it, that's why I think it's possible that they locked up Ed and Ghost because um, it was... I mean, it was an extra level of cruelty running into John, who hasn't seen his uncle in four or five years now, according to the season timeline. I don't know what it is in show or book timeline, but all these years they've thought that Benjen was just dead, that how could he have possibly survived? 
gets his hopes up about seeing a family member, mm -hmm. <laughs> a long beloved family member, oh, yeah. and then you know that extra little get your hopes up and then we're going to kill you. It's like, yeah. it's like the Game of Thrones version of the card game Gloom. It's like yeah. get them as depressed as possible and then stick the knife in, you know? <laughs> well, I, I agree completely there. I mean, I I guess I, uh, I don't know why that necessarily means Ed has to be locked up, but uh, let's, let's not get into that because we discussed that already. <laughs> I So the point is I agree that was an extra layer of cruelty not only to John but to us the viewers, because for they put Benjamin in the previously on sequence, and I was thinking like, wow, are they really gonna have Benjamin? I know. Oh, We're that's finally like only gonna find out. And then, okay. and then as soon as at the end, Ollie runs in and tells John, <gasps> Benjamin showed up or whatever, and and I'm just going, oh, you bastards! I know what this really <laughs> is. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I agree that was an extra little twist of the knife there so to speak and uh, but I think that it's it was a very well developed and well built storyline that led to this point and you know I talked in the reaction show a little bit about like why now like why did they wait to to do this until now and I and I realized what it is is Stannis is gone now um, mm -hmm. before there was this bit about well What's Stannis going to think if the Watch mutinies its Lord Commander, especially given that Stannis likes this Lord Commander and had plans for him? There might be ret retaliation if they do something, but now if Stannis is defeated, pff, now no one's going to stop us. We can do whatever we want. And it's just this, I think there might have been a fear of retribution from Stannis before. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was wondering why did they ever bother opening the gate if they could have just let him starve to death? I didn't even think about Stannis as a deterrent. Mm -hmm. The that just occurred to me later. Like the whole thing is a little different. It plays out a little bit differently in the books because there's there's an additional layer that we we don't have in um, the show, which is fine. Honestly, I don't think we needed it. I think that they, the show supported it extremely well of both why John was making the decisions he felt like he had to make and why everybody else hated him for it. Um, and so I just, I thought it was a very well supported story decision. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? No, I, I pretty much agree. There's lots of ways for him to come back. It'll be Interesting to see what happens, and uh, I think I did most of my speculating before when I said that I think Melisandre is going to bring him back. It seems logical, although presumably she wouldn't know how because they had that conversation well, of your And maybe it will be the first experiment, <laughs> and right. maybe well, maybe, also, work, maybe it won't. We also know that Thoros didn't know how when he did it the first time. I think oh, he okay. all all he really did was pray to the Lord of Light, please bring him back, and it just worked. Right. And I think that's like so he kind of actually I think says to Melisandre is like, <laughs> I don't know why it just suddenly worked or why I thought that it would work. It, like I had never even really believed in this stuff that much before, and now look at that. And so I think that I don't know that there has to be like special words, you know, abracadabra, 
you know, Wingardium Levy Snosa. <laughs> I still want to know um, what happened to them because they were writing out, I thought, no, yeah. that's right. They just had a mission or whatever. And I think like they, they didn't seem to have any really proactive tasks. They're mostly just riding around seeing when they could hurt Lannister soldiers. Mm-hmm. But they like they didn't seem like too big a force. They're more just like one small little guerrilla raiding cell okay. in the show. The Brotherhood without banners. I mean, brothers without banners. Well, you would think remember. all that lol magic yeah. would. Well, for that matter, like, well, so you know, again, not to get into spoilers, but there is an uh, there's an additional thread to that storyline in the books that has not showed up in the show. And uh, at this point, I think is not gonna. Um, uh, I, I think they're just skipping over that, which might just mean that we don't really ever get any resolution to that storyline. Um, and I don't know how much that matters. Certainly seems important in the book, and yet they seems like they would have had to bring it up by now if they were going to do that. Hmm. But we'll see. All right, now ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, Viv had to check out, but she gave ten stars. Yeah, okay. she yeah she had to check out. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Do you have something else, Nutty? Nothing, nothing. Just go <laughs> ahead. So she gave ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give nine out of ten for the watch. Jabs. <laughs> um. The the missing point is really just that I feel like Dorn could have been better. I'm, I you know I I didn't hate what we saw. I just spent every scene down in Dorn feeling like there was supposed to be another layer that never showed up. Hmm. Yep. Tooch. I'm gonna go ten. Ten a ten foot snowdrift for Theon and Sansa to land on and immediately stumble into Brienne and Podrick. I love that. I love that that. idea. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to, uh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 grumpy drogons because basically I'm I'm taking a point off for the whole Cersei slut shame, slut walk, walk of shame, whatever you want to call it. Um, So, yeah, 9 out of 10 grumpy drogons, (laughs) which I love. Well, I, just a brief aside, because uh, so did you feel like the show is slut shaming Cersei, or did you feel like within the story the sparrows are slut shaming Cersei? And because my feeling, take watching the episode, was the show was on our side of saying this is wrong. Yeah, my answer is yes, um, because the show is the one that made the change. Um, but I do think that they're kind of showing it as, you know, this is this is kind of horrible and, and, mm-hmm. and this is this is something really ugly. Um, I'm just taking it off because I... Well, it's I okay to just not going. like it. That's fine. Yeah, I don't know I, where it's going. It's uncomfortable. I don't I like it. I said earlier in the season that I, don't, I, I never liked yeah. this storyline. I, yeah. I, the whole bit with the religious fanatics makes me uncomfortable. I don't... It's... Yeah too close to home for this fantasy universe that I want to seem far away. Yeah. And and the only redeeming quality that the whole storyline has in the books 
is that you, we're getting inside Cersei's head and we're starting to understand her and understand her thought process. And we're getting none of that in the show. We don't know anything more about Cersei. It's done nothing to develop her character. Whereas in the books, I feel like her character is at least developing a little. Well, so. it's hard to do that in a show. I mean, you yeah. really you can't. It's it's that's one of the perfect examples of what books can do better than TV shows is get inside the character's head. Absolutely. So, I'm not making so, excuses for the show, but as nope. much as yeah. That gives us a cumulative score of 9.5 out of 10 for. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I need to change this. This isn't winter. It's Mother's Mercy. And uh, that gives us a 7.8 out of 10 for the whole season for all of so us. So much lower because of that one episode. <laughs> yep, yep. And it Blue may change. It may change uh, depending on if Viv, during her rewatch, uh, comes up with a rating for episode 4 and 7. Um, and then we will uh, we'll talk about the, the our individual numbers and our individual cumes on our uh, wrap-up show, I think. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe I'll save it for, for that. I was just going to say, like, having, with a few episodes in between um, and ha having seen where the story has gone, my feelings about that previous scene have shifted a little bit, but not that much. But we'll we'll talk about that more in this wrap-up. That's yeah. a better and, and honestly, we're only down a point, essentially, you know, close enough to a point uh, from previous seasons that we've been rating it, so... It's, well, but we would have been higher except for that one episode that we rated sure. so low, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sheriff Bullock left the rating, aside from the disappointing resolution to the disappointing Dorn arc, I give this episode a 9.5 out of 10. Hashtag Jon Snow Lives 2016. And right there with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the Dorn thing, I, the thing is, it's like the Dorn arc gets so much hate in the books, but I really kind of liked it, and so I was kind of excited. I'm like, all right, Sand Snakes, Dorn, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And I liked so many little pieces of it, and it just didn't, it felt anticlimactic yeah. and small in the end compared to what I had envisioned. I, I have to say most of the book readers I know love Dorn, so getting the idea of Dorn hate is, like, bizarre to me. But that's just... I run into different readers. Mm. <laughs> so. Did either of you have a chance to look at the, the prediction compilation? Yes, I've got um, it right here. Yeah. I have it open. Uh, so we all went through guessing what the last scene would be right before the credits. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm only going to read ones that are not spoilers, okay? But Viv guessed a sign of grayscale on Danny. That would have been very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and she also said uh, in the comments, "Fucking Jora, he should be renamed Sir Douchebag from South Park's Stick of Truth." <laughs> Chooch had an interesting one. Bran Stark opens his eyes and is sitting inside a tree like the old dude was. Nice. Um, he says also in the comments, I, this won't count, but I think it would be epic if we saw a Dragonstone break apart and fly into the sky as a live dragon. Can't stop thinking about it since Nutty mentioned her theory on an episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Christiana said, I actually kind of hope I'm wrong. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm reading that. That was a comment, yeah. yeah. About the, yeah. yeah. Uh, she guessed it right. Jon Snow apparently bleeding out, staring at the camera. Like, you can't get any better yeah. than that. <laughs> um, and then she said, I hope I'm wrong because although it's the biggest cliffhanger, it's a bummer of a final moment. Um, yeah. So Lisa guessed... Um, Jon Snow's agonized face, so she wins also. Uh, well, it's going to get ugly tonight, am I right? <laughs> uh, Doc Coleman says White Walkers, and then comments, Winter is here to kill you. <laughs> um, I wrote uh, Jon Snow being stabbed, and then my other guess, I cannot read, and then my comment was, Chooch can't read this! <laughs> And then my other guess is also something I can't read, and Chooch can't read this. So I kind <laughs> of won, but really I had like three guesses, so it doesn't really count. I don't know. Right. But it was the first thing I guessed, so there you go. First one, first one counts. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I have in here, before wrapping up, Oh, now do you mm -hmm. want to talk about iTunes yes. reviews? I did want to talk about iTunes reviews. I was going through, um, every now and then I go through and I try to remember to leave a review for most of the podcasts that I've been listening to, all the new ones, yada, yada. And I happened upon our page and I saw the reviews and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Oh, we've got a couple of, you know, we've got a, a, a one star, just a rating, and a, a two star, they actually left a review. Let me read what's their problem. And this... This kind of annoys me. So the review is disappointing. Started out well with great potential, but then fell apart and never finished the season. That's not for us. <laughs> that is not for us. There are yeah. currently, hang on, there are currently four Beyond the Wall podcasts all about Game of Thrones now. And... They all come before us in the search, which really bothers me because we were there first. Oh, no. And the number one is the one that pod faded. So it just, I had to mention it. I had to bring it up. Uh, we've got some glorious iTunes reviews, by the way. If you're on iTunes and you want to give us a review, go right ahead. Maybe we'll uh, share it with uh, the audience. We haven't had a review in a couple of years. It's no big deal. We're not, you know, we're not iTunes yeah. review. We've got our own little do it. Go right ahead. <laughs> you know, we're all good. But... That one review kind of bothers me because it's not for us. Yeah. And uh, so if you want to go to iTunes and you want to look at that review and then just click report a concern, you can say, this is for the wrong show. <laughs> this show has well, not pod faded. Just to lean into how iTunes might look at it, it's possible that when it says did not finish the season, it could mean that they didn't finish the season listening to us. It doesn't mean I don't I, I don't disagree with your assessment. Yeah. I think that's more likely, but they they might not be willing to like take the review down or something. Yeah. But what we could have is people say it's not helpful or something. I think that's one of the right. things yeah. we can click. Yeah. That's just my thought. Um I it just it's the one thing that kind of bothers me. Um yeah. because we get confused. I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, I kind of tried to check out your podcast. I didn't hear you, but you only cover part of the first season or the second season. Yeah. I'm like, 
no, that's not us. You need. I to think we back. need to. <laughs> yeah, I think the key is we just have to always hit the the specfic media yeah. part. Like you know, yeah. you yeah. have to go to the one that says specfic media because there's other ones also called Beyond the Wall. So we yeah. need, need the specfic media presents Beyond the Wall. And by the way, two other podcasts pick Beyond the Wall after more than two <laughs> years after we started. So they didn't even check iTunes first. There's also cast beyond the wall, but that's okay. I'm not annoyed at them. I just I'm like, guys, don't you check iTunes before you right. come up with your podcast name? Like we checked and we still had an issue because we were within seven days of each other. You know, I mean, there was no getting around that, but it's like, yeah. it's kind of frustrating, <laughs> but I do not wish any ill will on any other podcast. It just annoys me that people think that we uh, pod faded and we didn't. And uh, I was at the checkout line at Canadian Tire this week wearing my Beyond the Wall shirt, and I think well, I may have gained us a listener. She was very interested, and she's like, oh, all right, do you just listen to the podcast, or is that your podcast? I'm like, oh, that's me right there, and I pointed in my picture, and we had a nice little chat, and she said, well, what did you think about the whole Sansa wedding night scene? I said, we have a whole episode <laughs> of that, and she's like, okay, I'm going to go listen. And so <laughs> hopefully we've got a new Canadian listener. It would be very cool. Nice. That's just my little iTunes rant. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. I think that's about a wrap. No other All business. right. We're going to, like I said, we'll be back in a couple weeks, and we're going to do our Season 5 wrap-up, an overview of the whole thing. And if our views changed, or uh, past views changed along the way, as Christiana mentioned. So... Mm -hmm. I will uh, not 100% sure when we're going to do it, if it's going to be. It's definitely not going to be next week. Maybe yeah. the week after. Mm -hmm. depends on our schedules. We'll figure that out and post the event. And, I can uh, I can say that I'm pretty sure we're, you're not going to have to wait till January for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or November or whenever we right. did it. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Although in, in, in the case of that one, in some ways, it almost, uh, it's like it, it was this island in the middle of this long stretch in between seasons. Yes. Um, when you said that's a wrap earlier, though, it just kind of put in my head that, like, like doing a wrap, like, you know, that's all the talk about Game of Thrones, and <laughs> now we're all going to go get bank loans. I don't know. <laughs> it rhymed. That's the important part. <laughs> that is. It's the most important. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> if you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it. Hi, we're going to be starting up in a second. Yay, we're waiting for the music. Yay, music. But it muted? was working. No, it was silent. But, oh. But I can hear it. Well, honey, as long as you can, that's what matters. We're just going to talk anyways, okay? You just keep on listening, honey. <laughs> <laughs>
That was awkward. <laughs> Ding, Lady Peter. Uh oh.